look like a fool while I climb up on a, on a <laughs> chair to get the samples. You guys can Cl just climb on a chair. There's so yeah. many ways I can make fun of you for that. You'll see, you'll see it, but you'll see. You go do what you yeah. got. <laughs> so yeah, anyways, uh, Rob is Hoen. Hoen, Rob, just to oh, formally introduce how's you guys. How's it going, man? Good, good, uh, good. Yeah, nice so Rob, I've known since we used to work together at TF, like way yeah. back since like 2007. But Ho and I've known since like 98, since junior high, or freshman year oh, of high okay. school. So, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. just to like get you guys uh, situated. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Cool. Do what you got to do. Dude, how's the weather in Hawaii right now? Uh, I mean, it's the normal every day in Hawaii. It's horrible, yeah. It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We went through a, about, wow, he really is getting on that chair. Oh, that yeah. looks dangerous. <laughs> that looks super dangerous, man. Let, let, let's uh, clarify that that's a stool, not not a chair <laughs> for our listeners. Holy crap. That's a bar stool. <laughs> this looks so sketchy. Oh, man. No, we just came off of like, so uh, like December, January is rainy season over here. So uh, it's been super rainy. So it's really nice right now. So yeah. can't complain. But I'll take rain over negative degrees. You know, Chicago, so. you mean? Yeah, just in, just in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just in general. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This, no. yeah. this winter was particularly like blisteringly cold, I feel like. For like That's long what I hear. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're right in that, that phase where like, I mean, I remember April, sometimes early May, like random crazy snowstorms and cold snaps and stuff, right? So yeah. I hope you guys don't have that. Are you talking about weather? Right, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the perfect subject for two people who meet for the first time. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, look yeah. at Hawaii weather out there, dude. That, I'm just like jealous. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's not not too bad. I'm gonna come see you. I don't know when because yeah. I'm actually going to LA now in uh, for Thanksgiving because my brother just moved and he invited us over. Oh, nice. Cause, nice. Yeah, because he's going to Korea for Christmas. Oh, okay. So I would know I wanted to go out there to see you in Christmas, but now I'm gonna try to see if I can yeah. work it out sometime somehow some point <laughs> yeah and i mean i would stay away from holidays to be honest yeah my hands get tied flights are crazy places are packed and this year is even crazier because it's funny like you talked about it on phil's episode a couple of weeks ago right but like i'd say since then we've seen the travel industry which is my my trade my business has just gone ape shit like yeah. You know, as vaccines get rolled out, people kind of get complacent and are just yeah. like, like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going somewhere. Right. So we're, and we're, yeah, we're prime location. I don't know. I hope you had invested in airline stocks at that point. Cause maybe it would probably help you now. Cruises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about cruises. Cruises are still a little bit still of iffy, a, yeah, but it's going to happen. Still kind of, no, it'll, it'll happen. It'll come back. But I mean, so anyway, it's just been crazy, but for whatever you want to travel out here, just work with me on the time frames I, yeah, and I can I'll, tell you when to come. Wait, is spring better or fall better? Um, fall, I say that the perfect time if you can make it work around family stuff is probably like between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay. There's like a dead zone there where like, you know, everyone's busy with Thanksgiving, busy with Christmas. You know, then there's that dead zone where people typically don't travel. So it's yeah. fairly inexpensive. Well, that's what I'm saying. We have the extended Thanks. trip out to LA. So maybe we'll just fly to Hawaii. Yeah. We'll just rearrange yeah, it and fly yeah. to Hawaii see you right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah, and that's perfect. And you're already halfway there anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. That's an awesome, awesome tip too. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, our listeners don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, go see Hawaii in the fall. Yeah. Now there's going to be a boom that week 
It's a couple of weeks before <laughs> between the Christmas and Thanksgiving. We it's gave cool. Away Call the me. I'll help you out. I'll yeah. help you out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you wanna, we'll do it at the end. I was going to say, do you want to shout out the, the hotel? You can plug it at the end or you can plug it now. I don't really care. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, all right. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. <laughs> oh, yeah. God damn it. I'm so unprepared. I'm so sorry, guys. Like, So, you know, originally I was supposed to start this meeting with Hoenn at um, 9.30 my time. Uh-huh. Right. So 830 Chicago time, which is 330 in Honolulu, right? Yeah. Uh, or no, 230. No, 330, 330. But I got held up working. And so um, 10 minutes before the meeting is, or the, this, this call is supposed to start, I get set up with Hoenn, brief him, uh, deal with the tech issues with my computer yeah, yeah. and then text you to just start the thing. <laughs> ultimately to say Hoenn again this is the third time we've messed up the intro <laughs> I mean, I, it, so it, simple or at this point that just has become the intro so you oh, yeah, yeah. It perfectly yeah so uh I guess maybe welcome. that's the thing yeah, yeah. maybe well, there's no the there's no like set intro it's just you just roll into it right yeah, yeah I, just I, mess I up every know. time maybe yeah. we should just give up <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's like a it's like a losing battle like i was going to start like the intro and then just like roll into it but hey, that yeah. ship has sailed it's all good. It's all good. Well, you, you'll edit this all up anyway, right? I mean, however you, you do. Although, I'm getting, you, I'm getting editing it much? No, I've gotten lazy for sure oh, because of okay. uh, the work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I feel you on that. Dude, you, yeah. we just need yeah. to redefine what a successful opening is. I'm going to take the sure. sure. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm, we just define successful opening as a failed one because yeah. it's a running <laughs> joke now. It's great. You know? Sure. So, yeah, go. I guess if anyone's keeping track... Uh, Welcome to Spirit Build, the podcast uh, where we have drinks with uh, the people behind car culture or something like that. Yes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Not important. So, uh, Rob, uh, I picked out a couple of these uh, uh, bourbons for you, actually. Awesome. Awesome. Because I know you actually tip you like uh, Japanese whiskey, right? But yeah, I mean, I I um I really enjoy whiskey, but I'm I'm like. I would assume many or I don't really consider myself a connoisseur. I just right. kind of pick up stuff. I try stuff. I like it. If you ask me why I like it, I'd be like, I don't know, because yeah. I like it. You that know, good. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I don't I don't have a bunch of, you know, complex terminology on how I like it or why I like it. Yeah, it's um, fine. You know, but I think it's for whatever reason, Japanese whiskey just has always been, if I could say on a blanket, kind of like smoother for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a very, you know. You know, for drinks in general, like I, I'm not a big IPA drinker. Like I, I like a half, you know, or you know, and so anything smooth without a lot of bite is typically where I go. Um, so something a little less peaty is usually where I kind of land. Yeah. But um, definitely, you know, I've been spoiled with my whiskey background too, having lived, you know, like 30 minutes from the Yamazaki Distillery, and I'm sure we'll get there at some point. But you know, I used to go to take their tours and do their, their tasting library, like, you know, two or three times a year. So, um, so cool, really man. lucky. Yeah. 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 So it's, um, a little bit spoiled, right. I guess in that regard, I just, I'm still mad. I never got to see you in Japan, but like, we were just too young. Yeah. yeah. I didn't well, have the money. Actually I was in yeah. Korea, right. I could have hopped over and saw you. That's what we were always joking about. I remember it <laughs> was like, I was there, you were there. Yeah. The same thing. I mean, I was spending every dollar I had on cars and shit, and I should have used some of my time and money to like hop around Southeast Asia, which I did none of. Yeah. I, I sat at home and 
ate ramen and drifted at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> you know like i mean that was the priority but you look back on it and you're like shit i should use the opportunity. opportunity yeah i was just like home base in the middle you know over there i could have jumped to hang out with you in korea which i've always wanted to do or any number of places in southeast asia so now there's no way like i just it'll be when my kids are out of the house in like 16 years or something yeah i know like so like uh one thing about me and hoen we actually lived together in korea for six months Uh, oh okay yeah so we were roommates in korea and that was so every dollar then was going towards drinking yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but i remember so much reading you had yeah like when you were there i remember i wanted to go i remember you know you know a lot of my my friends over the past 20 years have been korean yourself phil you know mike lee dave lee you know bruce lee you know like every like all these people you know like you know and i think especially talking with with dave and with mike so many times like oh we got to go to korea it'd be awesome we're gonna hang out we're gonna do that and just these amazing stories of how crazy Korea would be with, you know, with them have, have always been in my mind, but just never happened, which is really unfortunate. And now you can't, even if we went now, it'd be different because we have, yeah, you have kids and responsibilities. Yeah. And, well, yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs> I mean, they, they might not be there, but you still gotta be like, okay, I can't do this. Cause if I die or get put in jail or get like, that's not going to work. <laughs> wait, right? wait, wait, so, wait, 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 quick, quick, quick question. How often do you and the girls go back to Japan? Uh, before it was once a year. Okay. Yeah. Before yeah. COVID. Yeah. Or- yeah. Oh, because yeah. it's it's cheaper, right? Because you're from Hawaii. You're going from. Hawaii yeah, I mean, I'm I'm halfway yeah. already, right? And so it's a fairly quick flight, and you know, from a from like a vacation perspective, it's the easiest option because we go stay with her family. My wife's family is Japanese. Yeah. We stay with her family. The grandparents are there and can help watch the sister who has two kids are there to play with so it's like one of those things where you know if, if i went to disneyland yeah, there's yeah. no re- there's no relaxation time so, you're right but so you I go got... to japan and i'm like here's the kids have fun and then i can actually yeah. like relax so so bit. this is the way my brain works what what time of year do you go uh to japan typically? we typically go in april right about april uh I, actually end of april early may tends okay. to be um, where we typically went and so the reasoning behind that was um there's a holiday period in japan called golden week i don't know if you're if you're familiar but it's typically early may it's a string of holidays that kind of end up being this really long holiday period um and pretty much the entire country takes off okay. and so and it creates a lot of travel problems outside. So like here in Hawaii, traditionally, that's a big period where a lot of Japanese will come to Hawaii. But what we found is because everyone's leaving, if we go at the same time, the flight over is actually really cheap. When you get there, it's a little bit quieter. Um, and, and like, it just worked out really, really well. Um, yeah. It's like a, how and, like a, all yeah. this, every country outside of America, it seems like they have like a designated vacation yeah like week or yeah. month yeah. and the entire nation just takes off yeah and so like dealing you know because i remember doing like international business like i was trying to get a hold of germany it's like no there's no one in germany for the yeah, entire yeah. month yeah. Like, yeah. what do you yeah. mean and if yeah. you get a hold of them they'll just be drunk yeah so, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah. i get what you're saying and, yeah and japan has started to be smart about it because like literally when you would try to drive on the highway or take the train or whatever like it would just be packed and so prefecture by prefecture or roughly in, in that kind of mm they break it up and actually split it out. So like 
this week is for these and this week is for these as much as they could a little bit to try and ease the whole system of transport. But yeah. it's been a while since I've lived there. So I don't know how it is going these days, but you know, it's definitely uh, it's a good time to visit in there too, because depending on the, the weather, like it could potentially still be cherry blossom season, which is always something that people want to try and see when you go. And then yeah. you're, you're, you're just before summer, which I mean, summer in japan can be sweltering um i mean i know we're used to like a late summer in chicago where like you take the shower and you you need a shower oh, it's monsoon like season minutes weather, later. Right? yeah you're right yeah. like just crazy humid right and so it gets like that and so it's nice to go in that period just before that really starts to hit um yeah. the other problem with that area that time frame though it's um uh allergy season like yeah. really really bad so if you have bad allergies like you're gonna be down so but and and that's that's place by place, but, but yeah. Uh, how long ago were you in Japan? Um, I left. Now, right? Yeah, it's actually fine. It's like ten years almost to the day that we left. You left uh, ten Hawaii. years ago? Yeah, it's kind of what? crazy. Yeah, it's times flying, and it's it was crazy. When did you go to Japan? Um. Well, I mean, I've been multiple times, right? I mean, I the first time I went to Japan was in high school, but. Um, I, I, I mean, when did, when did you quit uh, TF to move? Oh, that was 2008. Holy shit. 2008. And I was there till 11. So, I mean, I wasn't there any more than three years that yeah. time. But that was like that three-year um, time frame where I kept going back and forth to Korea. Yeah, yeah. I remember you were like back. Every summer. There. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that coupled with other time to spend, I probably spent a total of like four or four and a half years in Japan. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, I've been away quite a lot. I've been fortunate to go back a few times since, you yeah. know, being here, whether it's through, you know, final about or just vacations or now the family and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. Where, where, in, yeah. Uh, uh, where in Japan did you stay again? Was, was it Osaka? No, I was in Kyoto. Kyoto? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what made you go to Japan in the first place? Um, you know, I've, I had always wanted to live there. Um, and that really started, you know, I kind of stumbled on the Japanese language. Um, in junior high, the, the high school nearby came over and the teacher kind of was trying to sell us on Japanese because like, like a lot of schools, I'm sure you guys were probably the same, like in high school, you had to take a second language. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you had this standard like French and, you know, Spanish, Spanish. and all those. Yeah, but we He's had a teacher Latin, who had Japanese Latin because <laughs> that's really helped you out. I mean, maybe it has. We, we've know. debated this. We actually debated this like a month ago. <laughs> Well, well, yeah. well my, my logic was that there was no speaking part so it was only i only needed to learn half the language <laughs> that was my logic it's but, so lazy it's so genius <laughs> i've learned i've learned from now this and your reason why you're into cars Owen, because it just is a is an easy thing for you to get around it's like you just you go for the lazier out don't you is that well, i mean <laughs> I, I, I think lazy is the smart it, maybe it's smart it's smart efficient route. You know, yeah, that's true. That's efficient. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's, fair. Yeah. that's fair. I am lazy, but <laughs> that that allows me to find the more efficient. There you go, there you go. But here's the there irrelevant tangent of why I brought up Latin in the first place, yeah. is because the absurdity of the situation, <laughs> that he was learning a dead language, and his uh, Latin teacher was the guy who was basically the year before my in-school suspension supervisor, because he was waiting to get a job as a teacher. And he yeah. was, so he was like fresh out of college. He was like 22 and I was like eight or 17. 
Yeah. Mm. So like he's like 23 and I'm like 18. And I'm like, uh, why I, am I listening to you, dude? I, I believe it was his second year that I, I first met him. Exactly. So. That, I wow. just remember that. That's why I'm, like every time you mention Latin, I just remember like this kid teaching other kids. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. You, oh, so you, yeah. Got, you got into Jap- Japanese. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was, it was interesting because you know I just took it as, um, as a way to be different because everyone was taking, everyone was taking the normal, the French, Mm -hmm. the Spanish. I mean, Spanish for sure in Chicago, as you know, like it that definitely comes in in handy, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, I just took it to be different because I was like, oh, just do something for the two year requisite and I'll be done. And then, you know, I kind of really just fell into it, um, and we're where we grew up or where I grew up in the, uh, the Elk Grove kind of Schomburg area, really close to Arlington Heights where, you know, Yaohan Mitsua is. Um, And so, you know, it it kind of evolved because, you know, on a school trip, we would go over there as a class to like go to the Japanese supermarket and stuff. And then, you know, gravitate towards the bookstore. And then I was already into cars, you know, before, and then you walk over and you're like, option two magazine what's this <laughs> holy crap what what is this like the whole what? world yeah, yeah you know i mean and that's where you know the first video that i ever bought was a uh, best motoring and it was like nice. you know those old videos where they're like drag racing which and one was xr uh, i i don't remember which one it was it might have been actually i do remember it was when the first 911 turbo came out the 996 the 996 i think but then you know then they're like testing it on like the high speed course versus a you know r34 and drag racing versus an nsxr and it's like you know and it's like just super cool because it's all japanese and i'm like oh i can pick pieces up i kind of can hear what they're saying and like so that was my introduction to to that whole side of car culture um which had already been there you know i mean i grew up getting matchbox cars like a lot of kids or you know you know, just from my dad, like watching F1 races every Sunday morning at some ungodly hour, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so it had always been there. It was just like this new world that just inadvertently was because I decided to take Japanese that yeah. was opened up to me. And then, um, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there, you know. And my want to go over there really came from I hosted kids at my house all four years of high school in an exchange. And then I went twice and then, you know, just snowballs to from there. And so, yeah, I mean, when I moved over my first year there was as a, as a college student. So just to study abroad. And then when I moved back, graduated um, at the North central down in Naperville. And then I went back, had a job kind of right away um, and went back and taught English, but in no way did I really want to work as an English teacher, it was just a means to get there yeah. and immerse myself in car culture. That was, that, that was yeah. the only thing, you know? I mean, it's the easiest way to get there. You get paid shit, but, but I mean... You get sustained life. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a time where... I mean, I think my apartment, little studio, I was paying like 700 a month or something. and All the other money just went to the minimal amount of sustenance you need to be alive as a human being. And then a lot of oil and gas and tires and parts and, you know, entry fees and just all, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, the dream though. Yeah. 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 As a I mean, 20 was, year old, right? Like yeah, in your twenties, yeah. like that is the dream. Yeah. 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 I mean, I get it. 
looking back, it was just like, man, that was that was the cool, life. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was I miss the life. it. I still yeah, think I, mean, I miss it. Yeah. But you gotta grow up too at some right. point, I guess. Yeah. Like maybe you don't have to. You don't no. have to. I know there's but to be to be fair, like TF is still like probably like when we were working there, that was like the my favorite job. All right. Like it's just yeah. go to work, be around cars and just goof off all day. And then right. ship up some parts when you know when yeah, you yeah. need to. But right. it's mostly goofing off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I um, mean and it's yeah, I mean it's um yeah, man, that was a that was a great time when it we was, all there. Yeah, in the beginning was, in the beginnings of Toyo Factory, that was really cool because it was right. a melding of these two worlds of like I gotta work to do what I wanna do and then why not be able to do it yep. in this really cool place. Yeah, and I mean like that was um, if you remember, like that at that point, like I had dr- dropped out of Northern after being like, you know, roommates with Lil Phil. And yeah. then like, I was just kind of like bumming around the summer and trying to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. And then Lil Phil was like, hey man, like, I know you know, like uh, Dave from TF, like he needs to help, he needs help like uh, unpacking like these origin, like uh, this origin container. So I was like, all right, cool. Hated those containers. Oh my God, they're the fucking worst. Like I was like explaining yesterday. What's so bad about So them? when oh, you unpack man, these dude. containers, they're coming like vinyl wrap, right? But yeah. it's like fiberglass. And it goes through the ocean oh. and it's not waterproof. So yeah. like when you unpack them, like I got like yeah. JDM fiberglass and like uh, yeah. seawater in my like face and mouth yeah. as so I'm like unpacking these. They're packed with like, no, they're like, they're, 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 like, they're like bumpers, right? So there's like yeah. in like a, it's like a 53 foot container. Uh-huh. And there's like an order of like a thousand different bumpers and yeah. side skirts, literally a thousand. Yeah. Oh, and we have to, so, unloading trays so we have to unpack them, right? Yeah. Then yeah, we have to label them, inventory them. Then we have to yeah. mark them, yeah. Uh, yeah. sort them, and then put them up, right? Yeah. yeah. And then it, update that to QuickBooks. So when the yeah. orders come through, they get shipped out, and then we keep the inventory flow uh, correct. Yeah. So quickly, I learned like how like supply chain works through that, yeah, like inadvertently, yeah. you know? But, but man, dude, those days were like, yeah, man, I can't. I'm sure it took years off of our lives, honestly. Like, I mean, you'd wear a mask, but like the fiberglass was mask. just like, yeah. Uh, why was there like fi- fiberglass? OSHA, what's up, OSHA? <laughs> Hope you're not watching this. Because yeah. I mean, you know, like there's there's just the dust of like just manufacturing. fiberglass. Yeah, you know, like it, it rubs together with other pieces. It kind of comes apart, and then yeah. Japanese wood, like Japanese yeah. like, bacteria. Oh, that was the worst part. Because you remember they would have all the wood like it rotted, nailed, like nailed together to like hold everything up, but you had to like you had to pull it apart with pry bars to get to the next level. Right. And like, it was just, I mean, look, I mean, it made me appreciate manual labor and the people who do that for a living are way, for sure, way, way stronger than me and willpower. I mean, that's why I try to quickly make my way up to the office as quick as possible. (laughs) Like I'm not cut out for this shit. Yeah. Yeah. But you remember, I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, Dave was there unpacking with us. Like it was all hands on deck. There was, there was never like a, all right, you guys have fun. I'm going to drink over here. It was like, it was all hands on deck, which was cool. But like, just to give like a scope, like to give like context to the scope. At first it was 153 foot container. And I think I remember it was you, me, Simba, Wartman, and Lil Phil, maybe. Maybe Lil Phil was there, maybe not, right? So there's five or six of us. It was 153, it was like a 40 foot container and it took us like six hours, right? But when we moved to the Elk Grove place, it would be a 53 foot container plus a 20 foot container. And then there would be eight of us and we would unpack it in like two hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We we got got it down down to the science. science. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we got it down. And then, you know, when 
when the coilovers started happening, that oh, was a God. whole other, a whole other crazy. Yeah, but those were though, but those were always on pallets, so it was just like forklift. We just have to like yeah, unbox yeah. them, put them on the pallets. Yeah, yeah. But it's like sixty pound boxes. Yeah. You're tossing hundreds of these yeah, to stack them in pallets, like like you yeah. know six. They're higher than I am, so I'm lifting yeah. these sixty pound. Right, it's like yeah. Yeah. at that point, like maybe forty yeah. percent of my body weight over my head to stack them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, those were good times, man. I mean, you know, there was not a lot of jobs at the time that would allow me to be, or any of us to be kind of in tune with the the market and like the the hobby that we enjoyed, you know, and still be making money doing it. You know, I mean, there'd be days, you know, we'd, you know, bust off early to go like, I don't know, well, Korean barbecue is one of yeah. them. Like we we bust off early to just go, everyone have dinner on a Friday night, which is always uh, a circus uh, <laughs> it's because it's not just the tf employees yeah. it's like tf employees yeah, yeah. and friends yeah. so it's, yeah, yeah, a, it's yeah. a side there's a yeah. sideshow to it yeah but like you know i mean but if there's an event like we would leave work early a day to go to like you know hot import nights like roll in or like some other event or like when formula d was in town it was like everyone gets up so it's like not many jobs at the time afforded you to like do these things yeah. you know that we wanted to go to anyway it was like well it's just part of the job yeah right? so that was really cool yeah, for I mean, me it's just like yeah. i'm gonna spend money but instead i, yeah. I can get paid yeah. so i'll just do that yeah, yeah. and the only reason yeah, and i didn't stay yeah. at tf is like well i can't live on like 15 dollars an hour so <laughs> i guess i gotta get a real job sometime yeah. yeah 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 but i mean yeah it was it, it paid bills it allowed you to buy parts at a discount right it was just kind of for a for an early 20s car guy like it was it was heaven right like you couldn't ask for more in a job right and i mean i think we, we talked about it before, but the, the amount of people that have gone through as employees of that company is almost like a, like you can connect so many people from Toei factory and having worked there to where they connect in other places within car culture. Now yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it, it is that map it's, of like, you know, the effect. Yeah. Yeah. It, Cause I mean, you know, like I, I met Dave before he even had the shop, like, and then, all the way up to now where it's like everyone who's worked there in some form or fashion are friends and connected right and it's just like it's just crazy to see where it's gone and to see how how much that actually was kind of the the backdrop and kind of backbone of of what we started and what evolved in the chicagoland area in that you know 2001 to 2008 9 10 11 time frame mm -hmm. because you know, before everyone would head up to a drift event, it was always meet up at Toge Factory, shoot the shit for a couple hours, and then head up for that shitty, like, four to five hour drive, right? right. It was just, like, it was always the central meeting point. Um, that is just, yeah, ingrained in my memory of just some of the really, like, amazing times I had yeah, uh, during, during those years, right? And so, oh, yeah. But I still remember, man, did you work there when Phil used to work he, so he lived in Madison, but he lived uh, or he stayed in Chicagoland for the summer, but he was like sleeping on the couch at Tokyo Factory Proud. Do you remember that? He I was doing, he I was was doing like, mos like mosquito abatement or something like that. <laughs> so that was I, crazy. <laughs> that was great. But that's how crazy this place was. Like he was like living there and like half working there, half doing this. And like, it was just so, like, it was this place where it was like almost this, like. This is uh, uh, Northbrook, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like in my mind, it in my mind that like historically, it almost was like Seinfeld's 
apartment like, everyone was <laughs> just like Kramer? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like everyone Kramer. comes and goes right yeah. and like it's, it's it all is. connected yeah That's, it's it's more like um like the bar at cheers that's true you know what i, I mean like, like where yeah, everyone yeah. just goes there and like yeah. so it just goes and hangs out like whether you're buying stuff or not they just yeah, go and yeah, hang yeah. out yeah, yeah. but like yeah. because uh i went like social media dark for like two years because like i can't deal yeah, with this yeah. shit um but like i recently got back on like a moron um you're but, making up for lost time dude yeah because yeah. i'm just like this, this is all bullshit what you're are you fucking crazy because i'm like you're what are you idiots crazy. going i'm like what are you idiots posting about like this is nonsense <laughs> um so anyways but like i found like uh, just today um i don't I'm sh- i don't know how closely you've been following drifting but i haven't per se but the craziest shit is like through toge factory right like uh out comes like club of well not club of fire doesn't come out from toge factory right but it kind of helps because like to- club of fire wouldn't like, survive without toge factory right no and i would say I don't know to what extent, but at some point they were very closely intertwined with helping each other. You know, I mean, we put on drift events, people need parts and things for that. The local shop is Toge Factory. And so without, without Toge Factory and, and Dave doing what he did and getting what he got, like you couldn't do the drift event. So they kind of went hand in hand for a while, especially I feel like in those early stages where you had to go to a drift event and then you went to toge factory to buy something you broke or get ready and then it was just like back and forth and back and forth right. and then as dave's as dave's business expanded expanded rather quickly he obviously started selling to other parts of the country where it didn't really matter as much but there was definitely a time frame for a couple years where i don't want to say toge factory wouldn't have existed without club fr because that's that's not true, but Club of Far, I don't think they're like a symbiotic relationship yeah. where they, yeah. they needed like, each other to grow. Really yeah, like each other. Club yeah. of Far so would have definitely been much slower in taking off if Toge Factory hadn't been around. I think right. Dave would have been fine without us, but yeah. vice versa probably wouldn't have happened. Or, yeah, no, I actually think like we would have had trouble filling events and doing all that if people just couldn't get their hands on parts, right? Right. So, yeah. And then, so I, I thought about that, right? And then through TF, right? Like all the, I met all the guys and like, like Bruce, right? I got Bruce yeah. the job there, who got Tim yeah. the job there, who yeah. and how we met AJ and that's how Risky Devil ends up getting started, right? Yeah. And then the yeah. crazy thing about Risky Devil is like, I'm here at Ford at the, the Mustang plant, just doing my job, going about my business, wearing my TF shirt, right? Cause it's like a hot summer day. And I just, it's a free t-shirt from Mike. Um, and the guy's like, stops me. He's like, Hey, cool t-shirt. Like, uh, I was like, Oh, thanks. Like, do you know about like Toby factory? He's like, yeah, like I'm like into drifting or whatever. And like, I was like, I'm like, Oh, cool. Like I used to work there. He's like, Oh really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then we got yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of shot the shit and he's like, Holy shit. Like you started like risky yeah. devil. And you were, I'm yeah. like, yeah, but like, it's not a big deal. It was kind of like a meme before memes. Right. We were just having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like now it's like a big deal because apparently like I was uh, talking to who is it Jimmy from Houston uh, JY World or whatever yeah 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 so like I got to DMing him because uh, Flacco told me like he like was like super influenced by what happened in Chicago mm-hmm. so I was like oh cool and like I reached out to him and he's like yeah man like all these events are really because of like we're trying to follow what Chicago did I was like really like 
we were just fucking goofing around, man. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, like, uh, today, like, um, Palmer from Animal Style, yeah. he had Jason DM me to help him try to find, like, a job in the OEM industry because he's getting an Emmy oh, degree. Cool. So, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, but I'm like, I don't know this guy, but I'm like, he's got 13,000 followers? Like, holy shit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, so it's just, like, yeah. weird, like, the stuff that comes out from just, like, hanging out with your friends yeah. and you just doing yeah. random shit, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I, I mean, the the idea behind starting Club Apart at the time for me was a very selfish pursuit. It was all I wanted to do was be able to drift legally and not have to worry about cops and stuff. Right? If if I had been in a position financially to just go rent a track myself and drive all day, like fuck, I would have done that all day long, right? But obviously, not possible. Um, but so that's really all I wanted to do was drive. But, you know, but born out of that was Club FR and then just all the things that we were able to do. And, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, it's cool to hear that people kind of looked at or maybe still look at what we what we did and kind of emulate it. But it's like you said, we didn't really know what we were doing at the time. We were just doing what we loved. And I think we're just super lucky that we've got a lot of cool people and like good people in the area. No, I don't think, I mean, we've had our fair share of drama, but I think overall, like when you compare it to some other stuff out there, I think we're, we're just like down to earth kind of people. And so I think as you get further along in the, in, in this drifting world, as it matures, I think there's more and more people who just want to do, do, do that and like hang out, have a good time and leave the drama elsewhere. And so, um, you know, I don't know what we had different than some other places, but I do. It just really worked out, you know. It's I, I've been around and I've asked asked a lot of people like uh, what was different, and really one it's it's Toge Factory and, and TF Dave, whether people know it or not, is secretly the godfather of U.S. drifting in in my opinion, right? Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. most of the people in Chicago would agree, yeah. um, at least yeah. in terms of style. Oh, but so sure. we yeah so we had TF Dave right so that's that's huge right there. And then two is like Chicago, like the geography, because uh, no matter what part of this uh, suburbs you're from, you're going to meet in the city. So there's like a central uh, like meeting spot that's easy to yeah, get yeah, to yeah. Um, versus like other places like LA was like a big sprawl and like there's a, like a bigger community. So I think, you know, it's a combination of geography. It, oh, also yeah. landscape, because like the Midwest is super flat. So we can have super low cars, even though we have fucking terrible roads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, yeah. I feel like because it's so flat and like straight, yeah. you guys have to be creative to have fun going around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. Because like for me, yeah. I I love driving in the mountains, like just winding roads. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss that most being back in Chicago, and yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. at the end of the day, I'll I'll try to find like corners where I could push it just a little further, you know, even yeah, just yeah, locally, yeah. because yeah, you, yeah. you just gotta become creative, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also uh, the backdrop uh, for the photos, right? For street drifting yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I, I mean, it's been said before, but I think the fact that we have a down season as well, also mm. definitely it helps people save up money so that they can mm. fix their car up, they can make it look good, they can research what they want to do, they can, you know, you know, they can they can kind of plan out what they want to do, whereas... I think, you know, if you're in an area where you can drift all year round, 
I mean, you probably don't care. You're just going to like get out there and keep driving it. Right. So, I mean, it, it could be part of it, but, um, you know, I just, I do think, yeah, that, like you said, that the fact that Dave was bringing in parts and had an own, his own style and, you know, it, it really like kind of set a path of what those who were building cars in the Midwest kind of, kind of looked at. And it not only was it easy to get to, but it was like, oh, this is really cool. And there's other Dude. cars that are cool. So Dude, yeah. They've made the, the team orange replica for me. Right. Yeah, and then, exactly. No one bought any, so I bought them all. <laughs> yeah exactly right so yeah and i mean he, the first time i met dave was he came over to um our friend tim and phil kind of alluded to to tim holly on, on his episode where you know we all met at tim's dad's shop when we first got everyone together to talk about club fr but tim had done an sr swap but it, this was before anyone even really knew how to do one and Dave came over to his garage and was like wiring it up like a master. And like he didn't even have a shop at that point. He was just like driving around Chicagoland and and like helping people with their SR swaps and like with wiring and stuff like that. And it's just like, but he's been so integral in doing that and like working on cars and all this kind of stuff that you know, yeah, it really helped push along the culture in the area. Um, so again, I don't think Club Afar would be, you know, where it is today or it wouldn't have progressed as, as quickly as it did without him and, and his team and, and his vision of, of that shop and kind of pushing things forward. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I think people don't realize like drifting kind of owes uh, yeah. TF Dave a debt of gratitude. Oh, I think in my, in my opinion, for, for sure, for yeah. sure. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, and you know, I think, I mean, like so many things in Chicago too, I mean, we've got, Dave, we're talking about here, TF Dave, like really helped push things forward. And then we had a lot of help from the West Coast guys. And, yeah, you know, like Benson with, came out, right? Yeah, with like, with, with Benson, um, kind of, kind of his, his forum at the time was a really big meeting point with a lot of us, as weird as it was, that a West Coast forum was kind of where a bunch of Midwest people first connected. Um, I think that's the first time I ever connected with um, like Eric Wartman. Um, but like, you know, even, you know, we were trying to get serious and make Club Afar an actual company, you know, leaning on Naoki and, and Moto and, you know, that team from uh, Club 4AG who were running the Drift Day events out there and ultimately partnering with them. Because for a time, we were actually like a subsidiary of Drift Day Club FR. Yeah. Um, and so it was... It's just like you lean on so many people to get stuff done, but you look back on it. I mean, all the pieces and the timing were just were really in the right spot. You know, I mean, luck. before, yeah, yeah. But like before I did any of that, I was really involved because of my parents, you know, in the Miata community and I was doing a lot of autocrossing. And then, mm. so I learned like what a certificate of insurance is. Like, how do you get that? Like, what do you do with this? How do you staff? How do you do this kind of stuff? And so it all was this nice combination of things and timing that was like, when we were able to run our first couple of events, it wasn't the first time that I had run a driver's meeting or, you know, set up a course or dealt with cones and staffing and radios and all of that, um, which was great. And then, you know, the, the perfect balance was Phil because, I mean, I, I'm not the best talker. I'm a little bit shy. And we all know Phil has his way with words. He's just like yeah, a, he's a, a genius, he's a genius, right? Like on the fly, he can just, I mean, 
he says things you're like you you studied that overnight you had to have studied yeah, that he'll sell like uh like what is yeah. it he'll sell ice to an eskimo or whatever yeah <laughs> but he just <laughs> spits it out like you know you know on the fly and so a perfect kind of balance of you know him being kind of the voice a little bit more than i am and it was just a really just perfect yeah. perfect yeah it was really a, a perfect balance that really helped kind of you know push things along there as well and yeah and then simba it, just yeah, yeah simba <laughs> But I mean, the, but then you get it, but that's a good point because Simba right. is uh, like immensely connected in like forums and, you know, you know, I don't know, Zulia and, and like, yeah, like Midwest 240SX forum or something and like just all over the place. Like, cause I, and I think the forum we first all connected on, it was a little bit Benson's forum, but then I think you might remember what was it's called like MWIR. It was like Midwest yeah. Import Racing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like some random forum we all, but like he was connected on the forum. So he'd be going out to all the forums, like, hey, we're gonna have an event. Why don't you come to the event, do the event? Where it's just like so that we all had this little kind of you know um important piece that we brought to the table that really just you know pushed it along. And you know, but there was there are so many people in the beginning that really were there to to really get the word out i mean i i'd be so bad if i tried to name everyone because i'm probably sure i'd leave someone out but i mean you had the you know grip gambler guys you know with crab and jesse and simba i mean those are the original grip gamblers and then eric came in with that um and so you know that was a great crew and then you had the minnesota guys who were driving down for a while which was a really another cool with keith and um, yeah man ryan and like so all these far. guys yeah, and those were like the most diehard guys, in my opinion, because, yeah. I mean, they would drive, what is that, like eight hours, something like that, something like that to drive at like Norway, like cart course oh, or something. Oh, to Norway? Yeah, yeah. Which, that's got to be like 12, right? I don't know. It was like super far, but but that's how dedicated you know everyone was, but it boosted, you know, our attendance at the events, met new people, and it yeah. just, it was really cool how everyone just kind of came together in the midwest and oh for sure it's oh. it the only place to go really you know at the time but, yeah because we're talking what 2005 six seven yeah i'd say yeah three four five maybe oh there's something four, like five. that okay maybe, maybe yeah. yeah it's like super early yeah, yeah. Simic, but coming back. yeah so, so guys should we uh drink yeah. some i was gonna say like oh. now that you brought up the miata <laughs> it was a perfect segue <laughs> For the yeah, Miata. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, last yeah. time I let Simba lead, but this time I think I'm going to lead. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I'm going to – I put out a poll out today on Instagram to see what car you're most known for. Yeah. And by far, it's the Miata, right? It, it seems obvious, even though you've yeah. – like, that's the car I think you've owned the – not the least, but, like, that's the, like, so far ago, and you've gone through – like, that's the one yeah. you owned, like, the longest time ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. But the reason why, so if you see, like I picked out a smoke wagon, this desert yeah. jewel reserve age 10 years right here. Oh, okay. Yeah. The reason I got is that what, it. Is that what we're starting with? Yeah. Let's, let's start with this. And the reason why okay. I'm picking this is because smoke wagon, it's, it's bourbon. So it's the, the stuff inside the barrel is from Indiana. It's from a distiller called MGP, okay. but it actually gets aged out in Nevada, um, outside Vegas. So because of the Miata, I was thinking Laughlin, right? So I, I picked this one. So right, if you want right, right. to talk about the story about how you're actually a, a professional uh, race car driver, a licensed uh, in Formula D. 
So you're, oh, you're, yeah. you're a pro, and then you manage to back into a pole. With, <laughs> with what? With what? IS, or whatever you did that one day. With what? With the IS. Oh, oh, that one. <laughs> with the IS. Yeah. So we'll get to that story at yeah. some point, but let's start yeah. with the, the Miata and like how like you ended up first getting yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so like I, I spoke about before, I mean, you know, when I turned 16, I was super into cars. Uh, obviously, I think that's kind of a no-brainer now. But, um, you know, my, my parents picked up a 10th anniversary Miata, you know, 99 MB Miata, um, you know, and that's kind of what I, you know, would hop into here and there um, after I got my license, which was great. Um, perfect learner's car, honestly. But um, and actually, before that, my dad had a 2.5 RS um, GC, which is what I learned to drive stick on, which is always fun. But, um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so they got into the Midwest, you know, what is the, yeah, no, the Windy City Miata Club um, doing autocrosses, right? And so, you know, after I got my license, we would go as a family to autocrosses like once so a cool. month. Yeah, and, you know, it was kind of like, twofold i mean we were into cars and so it was fun but my dad also wanted to make sure that i could learn car control too um to be safe and to yeah and to this day i mean i can count like how many times that i've probably avoided disaster because of being able to you know have ingrained in me car control that means you're um, a lazy driver you're not paying attention yeah <laughs> But like, even with, with my girls, like, you know, if I can, when they get old enough, like I'm going to have them do autocross, whether sure. they like it or not. Cause do they have there's a lot. Money? Yeah. 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 They do. Yeah. SCCA is out here. Um, and so, but anyway, I got into doing autocross and then, you know, didn't get a car when I was 16. And at the time I had my heart set on an FD and I was just like, I, I need an FD. There's no questions. This is what I need to get. Um, and I mean, Thankfully, my dad was like, I don't know. I don't think that's the right first car. <laughs> like, yeah. not the way to go. Um, yeah. And so, smart. you know, in a weird, there was a weird time frame where in there too, I was like really into Honda. Because um, those were the days where I'd be like, when Sport Compact Car was like this thick, that magazine, and it was like yeah. super technical. Like, uh, I still think this day, one of the best magazines for that period. Like, I learned so much about cars from Sport Compact yeah. Car. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I wanted a Dell soul for a little while. And mm. then thankfully, like I was about to sign the paper. My dad's like, do you really want this? And I was like, I'm the rear window oh. goes down. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm using the mid engine swap, right? The mid engine. Swap. Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, cause I think, cause again, I was always looking at option two magazines and I think I fell in love with it. Do you guys remember, um, the uh, top fuel Del Sol that was mid-engine yeah. at like gold RGs. Like, I don't want, I don't even remember what they, like a B16 in the trunk or something. I'm going to, I'm going to try to pull up an image and I'll, I'll put it in the show yeah. or like an Instagram. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it was top fuel made one. I think it was top fuel. It was white with gold RGs, like mid-engine. I was like, I'm totally going to do this, which is so unrealistic. Like there's no way I would have been oh, able to no. mid-engine swap that car. <laughs> but so, yeah, but um, so anyway, you know, I ended up, kept going to the autocrosses and stuff and then um you know on my 17th birthday i uh i woke up and went in in the garage and there's a black 99 mb miata sitting with a bow on top of it and um i can find i, I might have seen you the picture but there's a picture of me standing in front of it and i am unhappy as fuck like 
like I wanted an FDRX7 and I get, I get, and it's like a bone stock base 99 MB, like steel wheels, like no, no arrow kit. Cause there's those arrow kit pieces that they sell, like nothing. And I'm an ungrateful kid. I'm just saying like, I don't want this. Like I wanted an FD. Um, Is and, it paired uh, now? I could just be like, you ungrateful bastard. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it was a great thing. Um, it was like, here's your birthday present. By the way, you're paying for half. And so I, we ended up paying half. It wasn't like yeah. completely gifted to me, which is, yeah. which also sucked. Cause I'm like, wait, I'm getting a car I don't want and I have to pay for it. Like, what is this? But it was it, always hindsight 2020. It was the best thing that could have happened. It taught me financial responsibility. It taught me like what paying for insurance is like and what paying for gas is like. And, and then evolved into what it became and what a lot of people know the Miata as and yeah. me as like the Miata guy and Miata sure, God. Yeah, no, I don't know about that. But name, name someone yeah, more iconic. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll say it for you. <laughs> Just be modest. No, I think, it's okay. No, I, I think there are a lot of great Miatas out there. I mean, there were a lot of guys that we were connected with at the time that really pushed the envelope. I mean, from a style perspective, I would like to say that I was probably pushing the envelope in the yeah. style perspective, which is crazy because yeah. I didn't do too much, but then you had people who on a performance and driving level were pushing it further with like, you know, Chelsea Denofa, who a lot of people know from Formula D as an M3 driver. You know, he started in the Miata and really pushed the envelope with taking a Miata into the professional, you know, drifting realm. And you have Jeff Abbott, who was another, you know, great guy that was connected with same thing, pushed an MB into FD. Um, so, I mean, there were a lot of people who were pushing the platform, but for a time frame, I will take some credit and think I did push it a little bit further than some people. For the time thought. when like the internet was understanding what drifting really was. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So you like put that yeah. seed there and yeah, then yeah, the others yeah. took it farther. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So cheers. 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 Cheers, to, cheers, cheers. Wait, what year yeah. did you win at Formula D? Uh, that was 07. So 07 Formula D champion or Pro-Am yeah. champion. Pro-Am in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cheers. Oh, Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, by the way. It's got uh, a quick burn at the beginning, but then it's nice and smooth. I like that. This is uh, discontinued. They, they no longer have any more of these, so. Interesting. When this bottle is gone, or when all these bottles are gone, they're all gone. Wow. Yeah, yeah so I like Smoke home? Wagon. Smoke Wagon is good. Smoke Wagon is good. Oh, yeah. um, they have a, a brand called uh, Uncut Unfiltered. It's got a gold label. That's mm -hmm. available at like Binnie's or like whatever liquor stores, wherever states they distribute to. That stuff's pretty good. It's like 70 bucks a bottle. I actually just picked up a new one for 2021. Nice. nice. At Binnie's. Yeah, it's... I've, I haven't been buying a lot of whiskey. I kind of, I, I don't drink a ton. Yeah, neither um, do I. Like a, a bottle for me lasts like six months usually. Yeah, same here. Um, and so all I've been doing now, you know, I know we all know what the prices of aged whiskey are, but you, know, you can still find decent like 12 year age bottles here and there. And it's like at a point where if I pay 200 to 300 for this bottle, it's going to last me six months. If I were to go to a bar and have a drink, like a double of that, it's going to yeah. cost me how much? So like in my mind, it's like, this is, this is cheap. Right? It's and, exactly. Yeah. Cause I don't so, leave the house anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's like, I'll pay 300 bucks for this bottle of 12, like Hakushu or something like that. And I'll just sip it for six months and enjoy it. You know? So wait, Hakushu yeah. 12 goes for 300 bucks. 
Um, I think it depends. I think there's a little bit more stock recently. I think their mm -hmm. most recent bottle that I bought was probably like 190. I think I've paid like 230 before. So um, yeah. things in uh, all imports in Hawaii mm -hmm. are automatically more expensive because it has it to go is. to the mainland first yeah. by law. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Wait, so so even though it comes from Japan, it goes to the mainland <laughs> to go to Hawaii, which is why it'll always be more expensive. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But um, oh, this is good though. Yeah. I actually like this. But see, this is domestic, so yeah. you can get this for like a reasonable price. Yeah. Is there a reasonable uh, price in whiskey anymore? I don't know if it's just. Oh, yeah. on cut, it's like seventy bucks. Yeah. I, think yeah. so. I mean, if you if you if you come across it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You just yeah. have to just be but, patient. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're gonna see a big change though. I don't know if you've read it recently, but um, I forget the name of the organization in Japan, but. They're pushing through a change in um, what is actually called Japanese whiskey. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Did you hear? Have you read about that? I did. I think it's to help like with the supply issue, right? Yeah, because I mean, right now, if you buy Japanese whiskey, like it just has to be bottled in Japan. Like it can, everything can come from somewhere else. If they send it all to Japan, they bottle it in Japan and sell it, they can say it's Japanese whiskey, yeah. which we all know you say it's Japanese whiskey and you're going to get a premium of. 20 50 bucks like whatever um and then obviously then cheap shit yeah yeah and then it like dilutes what right. real japanese whiskey yeah. is right yeah. and so they're they're i think that they said it's getting put through now that to be sold as a japanese whiskey it has to have been um aged in japan for at least three years yeah oh wow and so yeah so i think it will unfortunately will push out some of those guys who are probably been like riding that train guys, yeah yeah which is unfortunate because i you know it's a business move i get it but at the same time it's going to make those who actually are putting in the hard work yeah. and doing it the right it way in japan yeah but at the same time i think it's going to make the prices go even higher for real japanese whiskey so it's like a to catch 22 yeah, but for, you'll see the separation you know, now right between like you'll know like yeah, what yeah. is actual good japanese whiskey and what's bad japanese whiskey because right yeah, now like, yeah. it's like a crapshoot almost so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, what you're yeah, saying yeah. is that if you see like Yamazaki 12 or Hakushu 12 mm -hmm. or yeah. like Nika, some of the, you know, yeah. some of the good yeah. stuff, just yeah. buy it is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but it's weird. Like um, this article I sent to you guys, they were saying there was a couple of things in there that like I didn't even realize were not real, like not whiskey. real Japanese whiskey. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Some like, of them are crap. yeah, like, like some of the stuff that I get and do enjoy, like, like, um, like Nika coffee grain. I don't know if you yeah, can have so Nika. Good. Like, yeah. But I, I think it was on the list. Like it's not technically in the, under this new rule, it wouldn't oh, wow. be considered, it wouldn't be considered a Japanese whiskey. And so there's like this time frame now too, where they're saying, obviously you can't change it one day, but I think mm -hmm. anyone who's, who's, um, bottled, we're going to give you the window, right? If the three years yeah. starts from now. Yeah. I think it's still like the end right? of, yeah. it's the end of 24 or something that you mm -hmm. can legally sell it as yeah. Japanese whiskey, but yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what it does to the market. Yeah. But to your point, yeah, I would say in a weird way, even though it's crazy high pricing now, you should still probably buy something and sit on it if you really want it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, but yeah, it's so, anyway, anyway, so back to um, the Miata, I think, uh, so that's how I got the Miata and then it evolved from autocross build to then I fell into drifting and 
you know, it just became obviously a platform that everyone was like, you can't use that. You can't use that, but it's all yeah, I had. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all I had. And it was, I mean, it's to just this the, day. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say just for the listener, like the, the time frame of the, in the year was like what, 2005 or, or earlier, right? For you. For what? For, for what? when you started drifting the Miata. Yeah. I mean, I probably started drifting the Miata in cause I got the car in 2000, January yeah. of 2000. And I want to say by the end of 2001 ish, yeah, I had been kicked out of the autocrosses because Why? I was trying, because well, I was trying, I was trying to drift. Cause you're right? not supposed to get the, the rear end out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and there was a, there was a, there was a time frame when it was like kind of cool and they're like, that's cool. Have fun. You know, yeah. but then at some point, you know, someone got their panties in a bunch and, you know, kind yeah. of shut it all down. And then that's what pushed us to, to start Club Afar yeah. and do it legally. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was probably 2001-ish. Yeah, think. so then like, so I think it's, it's easy to forget in 2021 that drifting a Miata is an obvious choice. But in 2001, it was not, right? Like yeah, drifting was no. barely known. And even then it was like yeah. 240 SXs with KAs, right? Yeah. So yeah, I just want to remember to paint that landscape. Yeah. Like it was yeah. a very different time. Yeah. K24s? Yeah, K24s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There weren't many. I wouldn't say I'm the only one. I mean, you know, I had it's a forum engine. at the time that, you know, I had Roadster Drift with your website and a forum that had its own kind of um, really kind of cool tight-knit crew. And there were a couple of us. But, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a hard platform to push forward and kind of be accepted, which was fun. That was part of the fun, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, being able to do what I did in that car, you know, and keep up with some other people in the, in the more traditional drift platforms was really fun. And yeah. I would say to this day, I mean, we might get to it in a bit, what else I've driven over the years. But to this oh, yeah. day, I think drifting that car is the one car that I just felt completely in tune with. Like, that's, that's you know, yeah, it's just, that's I mean, funny. it's because I started driving with it or whatever, or it's because it's a Miata and the Miata is always the answer, but just... I could do anything with that car, put it on a dime whenever I wanted to. And I just didn't have to think twice about it. So that's, uh, it's funny. Cause you're a big guy. So I remember when, when <laughs> before you got the hard top, seeing you drive was like watching yeah, yeah, Luigi yeah. in Mario yeah. Kart. Yeah. <laughs> before like... I had the, before I had the seat rail torn apart and I just hard mounted it to the, to the, to the, the, the bottom of the um, yeah. floor pan. Yeah. I definitely I'm pretty sure your helmet yeah. was like over the cage. At totally. <laughs> totally. Totally was. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we mounted the seat, the the bucket to the floor, and I usually at an event I would take out the bottom cushion too to save that. So I'd just be sitting on the the fiberglass. Or Warman did that too to get an SAT. Yeah. So um, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, these are the days, right, where like the craziest part that I ever bought for my car was this. I found this obscure company in Japan that doesn't exist anymore. That they made drift tie rods for the Miata, and it was like you know, the only, like, I was the only person in the entire United States that had this. And I had to have my girlfriend at the time ask her dad who went on a business trip to Japan to like order it and bring it back. And it was like crazy. And people were like, they make those? I'm like, yeah, but it was just this cool, this cool, like, culmination of, you know, I had been learning the language, I was picking up the magazines, and you're just flipping through, you're like, holy shit, like this yeah. company makes this part cool, yeah. you know? Um, and then I had the means to get it because there's a normal, like, what do you do if you don't know Japanese, you don't have Japanese friends, like none of that. So it was just, again, another time where it just it all kind of clicked. And then there's just a number of parts on that car that as I was building, like were very rare and kind of um, really cool parts that yeah, help, helped it progress as a car. 
Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it went through like autocross build phase into like hardcore drift phase. Um, and uh, yeah, ultimately when I went to Japan for the first time for school, got into car stuff there, met a lot of people, kind of changed my mindset on what a car build would be and all this kind of stuff. I came back, I completely gutted it and like just turned it into a true race car. Um, and then that's when I got into the, you know, competition piece that we did at Club FR for a while. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the competitions that Those led up fun, to getting man. to Laughlin. I yeah, remember like, really we were fun. like, because like the competitions are like, oh, you guys are getting so close in the tandem. But when you look at the videos now, it's like this. It's like so yeah, bad. We're really, we're but we're really like, really oh, they're far. so close. Yeah, we're really far. But I mean, yeah. but it's so cool too, because like you can still find those videos too. I mean, yeah. you know. T2 Tim like documented all of that. That's you know, I think just also really what cool. helped like Chicago grow, right? Oh, yeah. Cause it was documented. Uh, yeah. So. And I mean, it's unfortunate the website doesn't exist anymore. Um, but you know, Keith, we all know him as beef from, yeah. from Minnesota. I mean, he documented from like day one, you know, um, he has probably thousands of photos of all the drift days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that really helped push it along too at that time in the internet where, people around the country could see what we're doing with those photos, which was really cool. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, that's the quick Miata history, but yeah, it, it ultimately um, culminated with that, that win at the pro M in Laughlin that year, um, which again, like so many things, there's a lot of luck too. I mean, I drove against some really great guys that year, um, pulled off some crazy wins, you know, in tandem battles, you know, yeah. you know, uh, Mickey from Southern California, he had a really him and I ran together and he, I spun technically, but he spun too. And just the way it looks on video is like, it made it look like I spun because of him. But in reality, I had already spun, but just the way the timing worked, it's yeah. like, it looked like he spun because, of, or I spun because of him. So I advanced. It's like, you know, sport yeah. is always just so much, so much luck. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah. So it culminated with that, getting the license to do formula D the next year, and then I had some decisions to make because that's when I was graduating college. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, what did I want to do? And I had already done Formula D once. So if you back up probably, so that was 2007 and 2005 was when Formula D first came to Chicago. And I did enter at that time because it was a time when like pretty much anyone could enter yeah. um, if you just paid. Right. Um, and so that was a soldier field. Um, and then you know, I ran into the wall during qualifying and just I'm gonna post that yeah. picture too because it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I still blame that on Benson, by the do way. I, do you want to unpack that's that? Another, uh, this? That's you, another story. We'll, we'll save it for when I have Benson on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But um, but uh, you know, I mean, you know, and I so I had done some of the competition stuff because then I guess now I'm going backwards too. You know, before that, at the early stages of of Chicago, like we had we had RSR Drift Festival come out. Um, and I know, I think Simba touched on this a little bit, you know, and, you know, that was an amazing event. I mean, the judges were like Orido, um, Alex Pfeiffer. Um, shoot, there was some other, there was another guy from Japan who came who had won an RSR competition in Japan. So part of his winnings was to like come to the States. And so it was like a really cool event. And for us in Chicago it was massive because you had Benson was there, Kanguchi was there, Alex Pfeiffer was there, like, Calvin, Calvin Wong was there. Like all the big FD names at the time were there. And but so I'm still I had, mad that I didn't go because I couldn't afford was the $10 a, to get in the gate because <laughs> I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. But that was a big deal for us in Chicago, right? I mean, it was the first big, big ticket event. And, you know, 
the way things worked out, I ended up winning that event, which was just like a dream come true at the time. But it was just, so the point being like, I had done some of the competition stuff and it, it was cool, but I just want to drive. And, you know, anyone who can tell you from these competitions, like you don't drive that much at these, like you, you sit in a line, you get your practice runs and then you do this. And, you know, unless you're getting to the finals, like you didn't really drive too much. And I'm like, I just want to freaking drive. And, um, and at that time in 2008 was like really kind of, I feel like really a, a key turning point for Formula D where like you needed full backing, you needed yeah. like crazy budget, you needed all these things to do these. And, um, and I remember, man, it was a, a hard decision that, that uh, when I was deciding to leave Tokyo factory and move to Japan, TF Dave made it really hard for me because I had just won that event. And he's like, if you stay, I will fund your 2000, nine formula d you know year and i was just like holy shit that's that's crazy (laughs) you know yeah and i mean and that would have been amazing too but i just in my heart i knew i needed to get to japan i needed to do that and kind of tick off that that you know box in my my life list of things i want to do yeah um but but that i mean for that offer oh i mean that was i remember that to this day and i mean he didn't push too hard because I think he knew I already had my mind made up. Um, but uh, I, I think he just needed to know he tried his best, right? He didn't want to he's, – he's a competitive guy. He didn't want to just yeah. give up, you know? Sure. But it um, helps him too, right? Oh, yeah. He was like, if you petition a full year, you know, we'll be sponsored by us and we'll do this and that. Like, it would definitely have helped him too, oh, right? But, yeah. I Not that say, I would have done great or anything. I right. mean, I probably wouldn't have done that great. But yeah. it was just um, – yeah, it was it was a good gesture. Yeah, and sure. that was like yeah, right yeah. before like yeah. the horsepower got like real crazy, so you could yeah. still compete, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 be competitive. But I remember that because like I was still working at TF, and like that was like the year before I decided to go back to school, right? Oh, yeah. And then I was like, dude, Rob, like you could be like a pro Formula D driver. Like, what are you doing going to Japan at the time? It's just like in the back of my head, but like in yeah. retrospect now as an adult, like I completely get it. Yeah, I mean it was. It's very it the right thinking. decision. Yeah, it's very yeah. thinking. Well, it was just selfish. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of things that, that have evolved into other great things for me have just been from a selfish endeavor. But yeah. I, I, you know, I, I watched all these option videos and magazines and Drift Tengoku here and all these kinds of things. And I was like, I just want to drive at these places. That's yeah. all I want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, able oh, to, yeah. Yeah. I just want to drive. No work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be perfect. But but those you know option videos and like your know, best motoring yeah. videos, yeah. those places seem seem mythical even, you know yeah. when you're watching those you know it's like you yeah. know mountains of whatever so far going so yeah. hard, yeah, and it's just I'm very fortunate that I've been able to to go to these places too because, yeah, it's mythical. I mean, and for a lot of people like they may never get a chance to go in person, but it'll always be this place that's just held up here on this pedestal. Yeah. And I, but I was just like, I have to figure out a way to get there. And all of my circumstances allowed me to do it, which I'm very fortunate. But, you know, I think it's funny. It's funny when I'm thinking about the first time I went to Ebisu. It was when I was, um, I didn't drive. We, 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 we just went to watch the Matsuri, which is um, three times a year, three, four times a year. Okay, three times a year. It's like a 72-hour, 24-7 drift fest. All of the courses are open. Um, 
There's four of them, by the way, to clarify. Yeah, there's there's four main courses, and there's like the toge course, and there's like school course, and like there's like, but it's yeah. crazy. So for 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 three days, it's just nonstop, twenty four seven, you know. Um, and so we drove from Kyoto up there, which is like an eleven hour drive, just to go watch. Um, and the reason I mentioned the drive though, what's crazy is you drive through, you can drive through Tokyo. And what really actually got me into option videos wasn't drifting. It was the Wangan racing yeah. that they did. And like, to me, that was the ultimate badass. Like I remember the first option video that I bought, which was a bootleg from somewhere. Um, I want to say it was like volume 88 yeah. and volume 88 is the one you can probably find it on YouTube now, but it's um, this famous, moniker guy his name's wangan chibokun and he's just driving an r33 gtr like 200 miles an hour over a bridge and like meeting up with i don't know ariyami mia who like i don't know the scoot guy with his four rotor fd like that he had just built and like what just like doing crazy shit and i was like that's what i want to do <laughs> says the guy who walks in the garage and has an na miata like, i'm gonna go <laughs> You know, I got 180 horsepower. I'm going to go down Elgin O'Hare as fast as I can. That's why I played to my strengths. Yeah. That's why when I got the Subaru, yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm like, shit, man. Yeah. Like, it's all-wheel drive. I like yeah. rally, and I've always loved Subarus, but it's all-wheel drive, so I can't drift. Yeah. But secretly, in the back of my head, I'm like, Kamako was like my hero, right? He yeah, owns yeah, yeah, the yeah, Ebisu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, he's got a rear-wheel yeah. drive Subaru. Yeah. But, but that's why I, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, you got to play to your strengths, right? right? So that's why, like, I'm, when we went out for cruising, I'm like, I'll just wait for the highway runs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. but, but that's the reason why I turbocharged the Miata. Yep. It wasn't because of drifting. It was because I wanted to go fast on the fast. highway, right? <laughs> and I'm on the Miata forums, like, researching how to change out my final drive to, you know, just go as fast as possible. And it was just like, at one point, I was like, the hell am I doing? Like, it's yeah. a freaking Miata, <laughs> right? But, I mean, to this day, I think those guys who ran those you know, Tokyo streets, not streets, highways. Yeah, the Wangan guys. Yeah. The Wangan guys are the ultimate badasses to me. Like, just balls of steel. And then I realized, too, very quickly, deepest pockets you could possibly have. Yeah. I mean, like, you know. So, um, but that's what got me into video option. And then what, as it so happens, um, that same video had um, an Ebisu round on it or, like, something with Ebisu D1. And then was another kind of segue because you know i watched that video like 30 million times right yeah. um and so so then to have actually gotten to ebisu and then in, you know over the next few years i drove it twice myself it was just like yeah it was just a really cool like culmination of bringing this you know this mythical place to life for me and that's all i wanted to do when i went to japan was to see these places so yeah. you know to to have driven there and to have driven at like bihoku and like just you know a couple other cool places and there's still more on my list that i didn't get a chance to do and maybe i will one day but um that's the whole reason why i that, went to japan that actually brings that me stuff. back no that actually brings me back to why i originally brought up when you go to japan and rob's japan travel tips is because i go to korea about every two years with my family mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah and my parents are out there and my grandparents are out there so what i'm saying is i can go drop off yeah. my kid with my yeah. parents you could drop off your kids with your parents and we can just go back and <laughs> forth and see japan and korea together <laughs> yeah. right just no yeah, kids I mean, can. yeah so. we'll wait till the kids are a little bit older yeah, yeah, yeah right right now i would be axed i was sure. i was also gonna say we also have to wait yeah. until they're in school 
to wait around their school schedule because I can't go in April starting yeah. next year. So yeah, but we'll I mean, figure it out one of these years. Yeah, I mean, what we're gonna probably end up doing is during summer we'll be taking them over to live in Japan for the yeah. summer. Yeah. To because they can enroll in school for free there um, right. to keep Japanese language up, and then I will go over with them. I'll stay for two weeks and then have to come back. Will they stay for the rest of the summer? But there'll be a lot of leniency at that point to what I think sure. you know can wrap around that trip because yeah. you know I still even though I lived there for for four years somehow even though it was only like two hours for me I never got to an F1 at Suzuka which oh, is like God. the dumbest thing like I don't know why I never did it yeah. you know I've driven Suzuka Twin which is kind of my go-to track which is like 15 minutes down the road yeah like I, that was where I went like once a month you know um but for some cool. reason, I never did. So, like, I there's still stuff in Japan which is still yeah. on the list, you know. I'm so. gonna I'm gonna pause you right there, though. Yeah. Real quick, let's uh, um, review this yeah. smoke wagon. So, like, <laughs> let's let's. What are yeah. your thoughts on the the nose? I uh, I get like cinnamon and spice, yeah. vanilla, vanilla. Yeah, I was gonna Very say sweet. vanilla. I was gonna oh say yeah, vanilla yeah, too. I do, I do get that. Yeah. That's why, like, I was surprised it kicks for me right at the beginning and yeah. I didn't expect it. And maybe that's why it kicks. Cause it doesn't smell like it's going to kick, mm. but it but kicks it for me at the beginning. Quick. Yeah. It mellows really quick and has a nice, uh, nice finish that yeah, I, I really like. Yeah. This. It's really smooth. I mean, like yeah. the heat is in your, in your mouth, but there's like almost none coming down your throat. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if it's a marketing exercise or not, but like the whole notion of desert jewel, right? Yeah. Like, the whole like profile of the smell and the taste and the like the, the like the aftertaste, mm -hmm. it, it it it's very fitting to the concept of yeah. desert. I feel like. like mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, and they do a great job marketing it with the yeah. guns, yeah. um, or the the, the revolvers, yeah. Yeah. and stuff like playing into that Wild West theme. But I, I think I, I could see myself drinking this in the desert, and yeah. there's like a bunch of scorpions walking around, and you're just, yeah, like like, like a campfire, yeah, for sure. <laughs> But I was going to say, like, the whole shtick is, like, because it's aged out in the desert and there's, like, extreme temperature swings, mm. I think it helps age it faster because yeah. of the temperature variation. Cool. That's actually really nice. Yeah. But, um... And I like it. If, if I have to go out on a limb right now and we're going to start... We're going to grade this I, one. On I give this... Scale. On Asian, I don't know. Um, you have to tell me about that. What? Well, on your wife's scale. Oh, on my wife's? Well, yeah. Is she stricter than you? What do you mean, stricter than me? Yeah, like in terms of school. Like, I guess in terms of, like, discipline. Is she the disciplinarian or are you? Mm -hmm. You take turns. Okay. Take turns. I'm the, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> we take turns because, you know, we're, we're bilingual at home, so we try to, like, even out the the yellings. Some in oh. Japanese, some in English. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we got to take I would, turns, yeah. I would That's laugh. Like chaos. If, <laughs> I would laugh, though, if you were the guy yelling in Japanese and your wife is the one yelling in English. No. Just exclusively. I mean, I I do my fair share in Japanese, but yeah, yeah. that'd be pretty. Hilarious. Just so, like when you're out in public, when people are yeah. just like, "What is going on here?" Oh, I do that all the time at the yeah. park. I'm like, yeah. I'll be like, I'm, I'm like yelling some in Japanese, and people are like, "Yeah, yeah." But yeah. <laughs> but in Hawaii, it's it's there's a there's yeah. a pretty big Japanese community, yeah. so it's a little bit more commonplace. Dude, but, I'll yell in Korean, yeah. and the people are like, "Why are you yelling at that white kid?" <laughs> 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 Swear to God, man. <laughs> Like, I remember oh, one time, yeah. like, is that your yeah. kid? I was like, damn, white lady, mind yeah. your own business. Yeah. Like, is that I your definitely, kid? I definitely still to this day, I mean, my, my girls are pretty hoppa looking. Yeah. And so, you know, 
you know those times when you're like trying to leave somewhere and they're kicking and screaming and they're calling for mama yeah and i still get looks where people are like is that his kid I don't yeah know. is he stealing <laughs> i know man but yeah, i feel like yeah. it's only because we're the dads right yeah, yeah like yeah, if it's yeah. the mom it's yeah, not no problem the same situation yeah. Yeah. But it's just like I'm, I'm having that dead walk, like holding yeah. a kid in my hand, and I look Get at over this, here. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, holy shit, is someone getting kidnapped right now? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure historically, most kidnappers were males, I feel like. Yeah, that's uh, I fair. I have zero basis on that, but I just, it just feels like it. <laughs> I also feel like that is true. So yeah, that's I, why it's understandable, but it's yeah. also annoying. Like, damn, lady, like, back up. This is my kid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what's your what's your uh I, I would say like if we're going are we going on a scale of 10 maybe or to a five eight, 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 eight f eight f school grade. eight f school grades oh oh is yeah. that what it is oh yeah. um i'm giving this a b plus man b plus yeah nice. i i enjoy this like i could buy this and enjoy it even though you're telling me i can't anymore no you can't but, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you can, but it's going to be from some collector for some ungodly. Well, you, you by the, by the way, remaining in your glass. Yeah. Well, no, that's what I, by the way, was I supposed to drink the whole thing? If <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, whatever you want, man. Whatever yeah, you gonna I'm going to get. I'm going to get fucked up. That's all good. Dude, I mean, it's three ounces, so it's three pours, right? Or six ounces. Yeah. Yeah. It's six ounces, but three pours. All good. I was going to say, because yeah, it's good. in Hawaii, I don't know what you got going on for the rest of the day, so you don't have to drink I'm it going all. To the, I'm going to the park after this and man. yelling at my kids, so. <laughs> Having fun and shit. I'm about to. I got to go back to yeah. sleep and then get up for work <laughs> at my fucking computer oh, at like 7 a.m. again. Yeah, but, but no. So, so what are we pouring next? Um, oh, I have to go grab it off my shelf. It's a good point. We can just take a pause. Okay. Um, All right. So, how are you feeling, Rob? Are you in a rush? I don't know how your good. time is. Okay. No, I'm, I'm good. Okay. I, I gotta didn't grab bring my. Place. I didn't bring my laptop's charging cable, so I'm mm-hmm. just like. I should be okay. Got 50%. I mean, we got we got all the material that I need. So now it's just really oh. shooting the shit and just reviewing the whiskey and just talking. So oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Let me just grab that blends. I, I grabbed uh, Simba's okay. bottle on accident from last week. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> oh, good. So the next one though is Blanton's. Um, if you want to pour that one out. Okay. Is that Blanton's? Yeah. Blanton's Rudd. Yeah, I think so. I I think this is from Japan. So, oh, really? Yeah, Blanton's, it's yeah. American, but they have a bunch of variations of it that's only mm-hmm. available, like, overseas. Oh, interesting. Shit, I just poured the whole thing again. <laughs> it's, like, hard for me not to do that. It feels like I'm <laughs> cheating. It feels like I'm cheating. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, but I think, you know, this is fun. This is fun. Look at him on his... I hope he. I hope he His doesn't. Stool. <laughs> yeah, I hope he doesn't edit that part out. Like, that's hilarious. Uh, uh, you know, you know what would be hilarious if like his wife, if his wife, <laughs> no. that'd be funny. Too. If his wife comes over and is like the perfect size to just grab it without oh, being she just on a comes stool by or something. <laughs> what are you oh, doing, man. girl? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Shoot. Oh man. So, are you? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Deerfield, Illinois. Deerfield. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just came up from Atlanta, not too. Do you guys need a pee ago. or get any like a glass of water or anything? No, I'm okay. I'm alright. Right. Let's uh, so let's move on to okay. Uh, yeah. Hold on, let me, let my camera focus real quick. But yeah, do you guys know that the best motoring videos, they're still making new ones and releasing yeah. them on YouTube? Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I I just saw that like last week. How did they make money? 
Yeah, but it's great. I th- I thought it was just in my mind, you know, it was something from the past. Oh yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, it's like all like the sport compact car magazines and all those car magazines have died off, right? Here at least yeah. in the US. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's them and I also think I could be totally wrong, but I think hot motoring or or hot version, hot version. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Com- combining best motoring and hot version. But yeah. I think hot version also has been doing some stuff direct to YouTube, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of cool, and then, yeah. then it's cool because you get into those hot versions where you go through and you remember the awesome ones where like classic battles with like the feed FD and like REM and Mia FD and just like the Toge battles. Oh, those are amazing! That oh, feed God, FD, yeah. feed FD was amazing. Yeah, oh, amazing car. I still oh. want to get another FD, but I gotta finish the FC first. Yeah, I still need uh, to get a first FD, which is never gonna happen. So. It'll happen, man. No, it'll happen. Yeah, the way but, these prices are going. So, yeah. our Let prices, I feel like it's only gonna go up. Like, they it's not will. Coming down. No, but uh, you can get a right hand drive for cheaper. Yeah, you can. But you gotta learn how to use that fucking e brake. Cannot. Bro. Why? Cannot. Okay, so. Because my brain is fucked up or something. Wait, you, were, I just can't. you were driving in Japan for like three years. Yeah, yeah exactly. so I mean, it, it's a nice segue into what I drove in Japan, I guess. But, you know, when I first got to Japan, it took me a little while to get the money and kind of figure out what I want to do. And a friend of mine, um, he was going to sell his S15. Um, So obviously like a dream car for me, right? Um, And so I was able to pick that up from him. And uh, his bone stock spec R, you know, six speed. I started working on it, doing some stuff so I could drift, um, you know, at the mountain and whatnot. But just could never, I mean, like I, I eventually was able to drive it kind of okay. I mean... You know, there's a video, I think you've probably seen it earlier, of me driving in the mountain and like driving at the track. And it's not like it was bad, but it just, for me, it was never, I had to always think about the next step, like what I was doing. Yeah, because it's not natural, right? Yeah. You don't have enough seat time. Yeah, I just never could get comfortable. So I got a solution and for that's, you. Yeah, yeah. You, you buy a sim, it's $5,000, you get all the seat time you need, and then you, yeah, get, sweet. you develop the, the muscle movement. Sweet. Yeah, sweet. And then get awesome. The FD. <laughs> yeah, then get the FD. Yeah, then yeah. you buy the FD because you're ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, With the premium, you might as well just pick up a regular FD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. yeah. So, but continue. I just, I'm just, so, just throwing it out. So, yeah, no, I mean, it was a really cool time frame and I did some cool things with that car. And it was to say I had, I've owned and driven, you know, an S15 for me, it was pretty cool. Yeah, super cool. Um, but eventually, yeah, I, I realized, you know, I hadn't go to Japan to get cars that I couldn't get at home. I went to Japan to drive tracks yeah. and places that I dreamed about and to do it well, yeah. like, and enjoy myself. That's super cool. Um, and I realized I needed a left-hand drive. And then it so, as it so happened, some of the friends I made at Toge were close friends with Takatori, who, you know, of, of you know, D1 and Formula D, you know, his shop was in Kyoto or the shop he worked at. And so got connected with him. And at the time he had been coming to America to drive in Formula D and the team he was joining one year was going to, um, was going to have a left-hand drive something. I forget what he was going to do. Oh, it was maybe like a G35 or something like that. Okay. Cause this is, this is after he finished with Autobox and had that R34 that he positioned yeah. for a little while. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was coming back and be driving left-hand drive. And he's like, to your point, like he needed to practice with left-hand drive. And so mm-hmm. he had imported a 240 from the States, you know, SR swapped it. Like, I mean, there were a lot of parts on that car. Like it was, it was legit. Like, you know, 
S14 SR, S15 Turbo, <laughs> like, um, you know, knuck, drift knuckles at the time, which were like brand new from Kuroi, um, RIP. Um, and like, so there's a lot of parts in that car. Like it had an S15 subframe, which for S13 is kind of like a holy mod. Like, yeah. you know what you're doing, you have money, you do that, right? Yeah, and, yeah. So it was like built properly. And, and when that kind of finished, you know, I was like, would you sell it? He's like, yeah, that, I'll sell it for you for sure. So in a weird roundabout way, I ended up being in Japan with a USDM left-hand drive 240. And it is bar none, the absolute best decision I ever made because just hop in and it's like clockwork. I don't have to think about what I'm doing. It just happens. Hmm. And I just had so much more fun driving that car. And then it was also cool too, because you get a little bit like of interesting looks when you drive around too, right? Like, <laughs> well, like, white guy left-hand drive even on a normal road people are like whoa what's going on but then you drive through the pits at like mehan or like ebisu or bihoku and people are like what the hell is going on here right yeah and so it but it just it it, it worked out and like yeah the best driving times i had was definitely in that car just being super super comfortable and not having to think about how i'm driving but like just focusing on the drive and trying to progress as a driver you know at the different tracks we went to and at the at the mountain but yeah it was that was good time so that's super cool man yeah what what i'm still jealous when you what was that what happened to the car when you came back um that car i ended up storing at takatori's shop for a while um and then ended up selling it to one of his customers or something like that um yeah so yeah it's it's somewhere i think it turned into kind of a show car because of its rarity in japan Mm -hmm. but um yeah, it was. It I was a fun time because you know, because being a USDM car, you yeah, know, you could have just brought it right back without much mm-hmm. issues. You know. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but, you know, when I moved from Japan to Hawaii, it's a whole nother interesting story. But I mean, we moved here. I had no job, no car, no apartment, a laughable amount of money in my savings account, like. It's one of those things you look back and you're like, I don't know what the hell we were thinking and how we made it happen. But how did you end up in Hawaii? Um, my wife, who is Japanese, had been back and forth a lot of times. And we had vacation twice while we were dating. Um, and just, I made the mistake one year of bringing her back to Chicago over the holidays, yeah, yeah. which was great to meet my family, but it also was like, oh. so <laughs> I would like to introduce you to negative two degrees. You know, would you like to move here? And it was like, nah. So this, yeah. this was our compromise, you know, and at the time I had no real reason to say no, it was a yeah. beautiful space. And it was, it was right in the middle of both. Right. It was literally halfway between Japan and Chicago. So yeah. it, it was great in that regard. And, you know, you don't have to twist people's arms too much to come visit you in Hawaii. Right. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm coming uh, out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a bad spot now for a, for a car guy, it's definitely a more challenging space, but I would argue that for me personally, it's probably really good because it'll blow you out of your body. I mean, I mean, we, we know as car guys, man, I mean, the amount of years that I lived paycheck to paycheck with like, I don't know, $500 in my savings account and maybe like a hundred dollars in my checking account, just yeah. waiting for the next paycheck. So I could, you know, do yeah. a entry entry fee to an event at Mahan and then maybe buy some like four or five tires and then maybe buy a cup of ramen to get me through yeah, the day. Yeah, like, yeah. Chipotle you know, is a like, splurge. 
yeah, like if I if my plan in life was to be single and do that for my entire life, I would have been fine. But you know, for me, it wasn't what I wanted to kind of do. And even if I were to be in Chicago right now, I have a feeling like I'd still be probably doing it at a level that is probably not financially responsible. Right. As in you because NFT. Yeah. Well, you, or you can do what you can do what uh, like uh, Francisco does, right? You just open up your own yeah. shop, or you do what yeah, I do, well, or like I just work for an OEM, right? Yeah. Well, you guys have done a great job in incorporating your passion with your job. I, I'm not so lucky, and I don't. I'm not handy with my hands, and I don't have the mathematical brain that you probably have. I I send emails and That's talk all to I people do. and wine and dine as a salesperson, but like, you know, I think it's. Um, I mean, we, I think all car guys can agree at some level, like this is a very deep rooted that we have. Yeah. Like, I haven't done hard drugs or crack or cocaine, but God, I got to think it's something similar where like, no matter as how, how much you want to turn it away and turn it off, there's just no way to do it, you know? You and like, it's just... And for me, it's good because it's allowed me to, to focus on building a family, which is amazing for me. But, yeah. you know, you get it to a point where how do I get back into it in a responsible way? And, uh, you know, so now I can responsibly get back into it and stay CX5. in line with it. What was that? CX-5. Yeah. Yeah, because that's an amazing <laughs> way back into <laughs> I'm car just saying, culture. I'm just, yeah. well, I'm just saying yeah. you can at least make it cool. And like not yeah. look desperate. Yeah. But I mean, my, my, my sport cross, I can make cool too, yeah, which, um, you know, it, it's kind of my middle ground of like, it's, it's an IS 300, which has had an amazing renewed sense of, um, you know, value these days, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Um, Did you just have a five speed? No, no. They never came in five speed. Yeah. So. But I know like people like AJ do the swap. So. Yeah. And I'd want to at some point. Yeah. Um, Are you going to keep it? But yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth. I go back and forth. Before we get but, to that parking lot story, uh, <laughs> let me just yeah. cut you off real quick to yeah. talk about the next whiskey, which is Blends. Which Blends I've been drinking, been, by the way. Yeah. yeah. No, it's fine. It's recently gotten like a surge in popularity just because of the shape of the bottle. I've had it before. Yeah. yeah. Wait, is this regular Blends? No. So hold on. I'm going to get to it. So yeah, like it's, it was like in John Wick, right? So like um, in the shape is pretty iconic, like the grenade. So people like it. But this is actually blends Takara uh, Red, which is Takara is the Japanese company that actually owns the blends brand. So oh, okay. um, they, every year, they bring in X amount for their own Japanese um, stock to sell mm -hmm. like in Japan. Yeah. So 2020, crazy story. In February of 2020, I took a day trip to Japan while I was out in Korea to visit my grandparents. Uh -huh. And this is when like COVID was just starting to like get on the map. I think I told you this story, both of you, but for the listener, I took a day trip to Japan just to buy whiskey. Um, this is one of them because uh, this is American bourbon made specifically for the Japanese market, which I brought back to America. So somehow I thought I thought it was somehow fitting with that 240SX. That's cool. Well, no, thank you. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's, awesome. um, that's that spiel about the Blantons. So let's just quickly just get into the tasting or the notes. Yeah, it's smooth, man. And the nose, it smells like sweet and almost like melon. I, like I get like a like a some melon flavor. 
maybe I have COVID-19, but like, I don't smell much. Mm. I have no... No, it's very subtle. It's very right? subtle. Yeah. Well, and on the palate, it's very subtle too. It, mm. I feel like the, the nose super and the first smooth. initial palate is actually super yeah. meek almost. It's like yeah, very, it's very under, yeah. underplayed. Yeah. But there's actually a lot of flavor, flavor. that actually develops out but the flavor is not what i expected it's like a very woody and almost like um like almost bitter when i when it smells sweet as yeah yeah like an end end note Mm -hmm. like what it remains it is somewhat Mm -hmm. bitter but it is very smooth and it coats like very nicely i actually enjoy it i like it this is good yeah what's your uh, what's your uh grade rob this one It's a B minus. B minus. Cool. Oh, and you didn't give your grades for the last two, uh, smoke uh, wagon and, and this one. The smoke wagon, I would actually give it A minus. A minus. Oh, nice. But okay. I, I, I'm yeah. pretty biased because. But because you're a bourbon biased, yeah. Oh no, I, I'm smoke wagon biased. Oh, okay, fine. Either I, way, I you, you carry a bias. And what about blends? Oh. Uh, the blends, I would. If I could put it lower than the smoke wagon, but still. N- higher than the b plus if that so like so a minus so minus. like a 91 versus a 90 yeah yeah, yeah. okay I, I would say this is really good like I I, say I, i'm minus. actually quite surprised at amount of like flavors and com- complexity that it has so for i know pe- uh, people like right now bland seems to be like like almost like the 240sx of, of what is drifting is. for bourbon where like it's just the go-to so I actually like don't like regular blends. yeah regular blends i don't like it all yeah not not is, i don't like it all this is this is good though that's not a fair statement. I should say the regular American blends that we get. It's um, okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's, a it's solid overrated. Whiskey. It's solid, but it's overpriced and it's like, this it's not worth paying price. over the sticker. No, Cause like no. some, like the, the normal price is $65, but if you go so to Kentucky, yeah, it used to be 55. Yeah. It's 65. It's not bad. But if you go to a liquor store in Kentucky, if you go into yeah. the wrong liquor store, it's $300. <laughs> so i was like no i'm good i'll just i don't i barely want to pay the 65 dollars, you know but this stuff i would gladly pay the 57 dollars i did in japan yeah 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 uh, i would i would pay up to 100 bucks for this yeah, for, oh, yeah. easily yeah easily easily yeah oh man dude you should you should have come to japan when we were there man because those man. those are the days like uh, you know when i was teaching during finals week they were half days and half days. One of the days we would all go as the English teachers to the distillery and take the mm. tour, oh, God. which is, I mean, those days are like, you know, this glass I'm drinking from, like it's, it's Yamazaki. Like it was a so gift. Sweet. It was a gift for taking the tour. But yeah. at the end of the tour, they would give you a 20 minute tasting. And this was a time when the, the 20 minute tasting was all you could drink. Aged. What? Yeah. It was all you could drink. All you could aged. drink? Yeah. It was before the boom, man. Yeah. yeah, it was before the boom. It was all you could drink aged. And then you go back out to the whiskey library where you can order a bunch of stuff. And I paid like 30 bucks for a double of like. Hibiki I've never 30. heard it pay by time. Yeah. I would literally die in those 20 minutes. Oh, trust me. We tried, man. <laughs> Line it up. <laughs> Line it up. We tried, man. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, cool. I mean, and the thing is, we would go every quarter as teachers yeah. and we would walk in and then like the ladies who did the tasting would see us walk in and I swear to God, they were like, oh, those yeah, fuckers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, we would leave there fucked up, but like, I know. you know. Dude, I'm, fuck, I'm yeah. so mad now that I didn't come to see you. Yeah. Because yeah. when we were out in Korea, like, and that was like 2010, right? 
So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it was we were out to the bars. Home. We were out to the bars. It's like 10 in the morning. Oh, yeah. Because we were half, the, half the time, like, like the subway get, gets cut off at midnight, right? So yeah, I'm yeah. like, fuck, we can't go home now because the taxi's yep. twice as much. So <laughs> let's just stay out till the, the first Same. subway. Yeah. It's, it's six in the morning, yeah. right? Yeah. Same. Yeah. 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 I mean, when I lived in Japan, where I decided to live was outside of the city. So yeah. I was over a mountain in like the middle of nowhere. So yeah, when that. <laughs> When that train oh, stopped, there, yeah, yeah. When that train stopped, I mean, that was like a two hundred dollars taxi ride if I wanted Holy to do it. So, no, so I'm a, well. I was so poor because I was still in school then, right? Like, yeah, it's a forty dollars yeah. cab ride. I can't afford it. <laughs> Not even. Yeah, <laughs> but because we were going from yeah, like yeah. Itawa. No, it was, it was yeah. we were going from a like Gangnam to like Boksapyeong. So we were going from like Gangnam, right, Dude. from like Gangnam style, to the other side of the river where, where the army base is, where yeah. we live. But it's literally, really, it's literally like ten, ten. less than ten miles. Taxi I, prices back then in Korea was so cheap. Yeah, it's still cheap, but like it would that would have been like ten bucks, not even. No, it was it was because it was after midnight. I remember I did it once. It was forty forty thousand won, which is like forty dollars. She's got fleece. Yeah, because I don't speak the language, right? I'm like, what, what am I gonna say? Like Ajashi, like I know you're ripping me off. What's he gonna say, <laughs> right? He'll just look back and he's like, I don't know what you're talking. Exactly. About. So I'm like, fuck. <laughs> So I'm like, I can never do this again. I can only stay out drinking. <laughs> that was my last. But Earl, do you realize that as we were going out to drink like cheap beer, like cheap soju, yeah. Rob was going to the distillery drinking like Hibiki 30s. Yeah, because I'm a dumb like, fuck. I should just went, like, saved the money for a month, visited Rob for a weekend, got yeah. fucked up, and then come <laughs> back. Hibiki 30. But again, this is how 20-year-olds think versus 30-year-olds. Yeah. But what you know what, what I really liked about the whiskey library that they had there is you you know they had the the Yamazaki tasting with different ages and they had you know a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Um but at the whiskey library like yeah I could buy a double or whatever of Hibiki 30 for 50 bucks or something which was like I'll pay that cuz I'm never going to be able to buy a bottle yeah. of Hibiki 30. But they had things from all around the world which is mm. what's fantastic like you could get some crazy age stuff you know from around the world on their menu which was just yeah. like it, it really like it, it boiled down to me like how serious you know whiskey culture is there. whiskey culture is in japan i mean i don't want to say just japan but like whiskey connoisseurs like yeah it's just i mean so, we, yeah. we know japanese in a, in a very broad sense i think we all agree that japanese tend to really give themselves to their passion yeah, like yeah. whether very... it's drifting or it's drifting, or it's whiskey, or it's fly fishing. Like they're deep, like they're deep, in it, right? Deep. I realize yeah, in, yeah. In, in Japan they're very singularly focused on their passion, right? Yeah, so like they like I, put pour they pour like yeah. everything into that their craft, whatever they yeah. choose yeah. It to be. Yeah, I mean, I I think the the biggest thing that I saw when I was in Japan was like you go to the bookstore and you've got magazines for like anything. You've yeah. got you've got Drift and Goku. You've got you know. A magazine about taking photos of airplanes at the airports you have like a train magazine yeah. you have like a flower photo magazine you have like there's like something for everyone and everyone has their niche that they're into it and was the internet like, before the internet yeah yeah, yeah 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 but it's just like people give themselves fully to whatever their passion is which right. is kind of cool which is really you know really nice and i think you know it's an interesting segue into like what i was thinking i wanted to say about japan car culture that really impressed itself upon me and i think the biggest thing 
that was just crazy to me when I was there is there are so many people in Japan that you don't even know about and are the best drivers you had ever seen in your life, either driving in a mountain or the track. And they're not on Facebook. They're not on Instagram. They're not about any of that. They're just there to drive and do the best they can. And like how unimportant all that other stuff is like, it's only the driving it's only driving to the best of their ability. And like, you know, case in point, the, the closest friend I have in Japan, um, who luckily when I moved there happened to live like 15 minutes from where I was and like five minutes from the mountain that we went to go to all the time. Um, his name is Masa. Um, some of those who visited me in Japan, like Simba and TF Dave and Mike and some other folks, you know, um, you know, Doraemon Dave, all those guys from Minnesota, like just a lot of them came over and visited me and I took them to the mountain and met my friend Masa. And I would guarantee you, I'd put money on it to say that the rides they took in his Corolla up and down that mountain are probably to this day, some of the craziest times that they've had in a car. Yeah. And the thing is like, no one knows who this person is. He's not on social media. He yeah. doesn't have Facebook. He, he got an iPhone like last year, <laughs> like, <laughs> because they couldn't like there was nothing else to give him they're like this is yeah. the only thing we have we don't have flip phones anymore no, <laughs> we don't my grandparents that. got forced into that situation yeah, too. Yeah. right yeah. it's just like but what it, what it is like there's so many people in japan that like aren't about what unfortunately car culture seems to be about in the states and i don't want to say there aren't people like that but like it's all about how many followers and likes and stuff like that and it really was like man these people they're only about this one thing and that's all that matters right yeah. and and that really impressed upon me how like that's what's most important if you were truly into car culture is none of the peripheral like you know i'm just doing this to to be you know boost to boost my ego yeah. which is really cool and i think i also think the thing that I, I really wish would somehow make its way into not even just drifting culture in the states but you know Everyone that I ever met in Japan at the track, it didn't matter if I was sitting next to Takatori, who's a D1 driver, or right. Ichiyanagi, who's a D1 driver, or, I mean, at Ebisu, I pitted next to Koguchi one year. Like, how fucking crazy is that? Yeah. But he's super down to earth, and he would talk with, like, the newbie who pitted three down from me, and just, like, talk like normal. Like there was no, there was no ego. We're all there enjoying the same thing. And it didn't matter how good or how bad or how many likes or how many followers or any of that. It was like, we're at different levels, but it's irrelevant. We're enjoying the same thing. And let's just join and have that. And that really impressed upon me how we still have a long way to go. I think in the States of... I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up actually. Yeah, like just putting what we all are passionate about first and foremost and everything else last it, and it's a hard ask right but hey like, my camera died so you can keep oh, talking sorry i'm just gonna okay. swap out my battery <laughs> okay <laughs> um but yeah i think that was one of the or those two things are what really kind of you know when i left japan really stuck with me hmm. was just how how much it didn't matter like how good or bad you were everyone's just enjoying the same thing and i really hope we can we can build that into our culture here in the states and it's an uphill battle like for sure but um 
there's just so many unsung heroes out there, especially in Japan. Like, yeah. you know, I, I've been fortunate to like ride with some amazing drivers in Japan and basically makes you think like, I should just stop doing this. Like I suck. I sh- there's no reason for me to do this, you know? And so it, it's just, um, it's cool when you just meet people who are really, really good and your idols yeah. and like, you know, I mean, case in point, I pitted next to Koguchi at ABC one year for Matsuri. Yeah, and he came cool. over, he came over to tell me how cool my car was, the black 240 left-hand drive. Because mm. it was just left-hand. And he, yeah, and he's like, this is really cool. And I was just like... So basically, for people who don't know, Koguchi is the 240, or not the 246, I'm sorry. The S13 chassis god. Yeah, the 180SX god, right? So... Um, yeah. so basically if you're into drifting, like you're going to know his work. Yeah. So if you yeah. really know that your history, yeah. if you're pitted next to him in a 240, it's kind of a big yeah. deal. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, and I think stuff like that should just be more commonplace where we're yeah. all just there for the love of it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I feel like the yeah. world will be a better place. Yeah, I yeah. agree. That's, that's yeah. honestly, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's kind of why, like, uh, I started this podcast, like Hohen and I have been kind of talking about it in the background for like maybe the last, what, nine months, maybe? Yeah. The nine months for three episodes, right? Because yeah. like, um, it's really like, do I really want to put this material out there in the world and put effort into this? Because like, I get nothing out of putting out this podcast, but I yeah. see what I could gain um, if the podcast, if I keep putting out this podcast. But really the purpose for why I do it is to share my journey in um, yeah. into the automotive world. Yeah. That way, um, if anyone wants to learn to get into drifting, into time attack, um, mm-hmm. into Formula One or like IndyCar, NASCAR, or even the OEM yeah. world, like you can follow along my journey and you can yeah. find out how to get there through how uh, these interviews of the people who have gotten there you know yeah yeah i think yeah i mean i think to to put a bow kind of around it i think is what i'd like to see it it's what you're saying and it's kind of what i was taking away from japan and what i saw there was i feel like in the states right now if you are newly trying to get into this this car culture mainly mainly drifting when i say that for because that's what i'm into but it's fairly daunting like you you know like there there's people now who are held upon really high regard because of the things they've been doing you know whether it's you know Ilya and simba and and josh and chob and the proceeds guys with lay and like you know other teams um they're held in this high regard where like you're gonna have new kids who are like I can't go talk to these people. Yeah. Like, they, this is the Koguchi to me. This is yeah. the Kumokobo to me. This is the, these, this is the, you know, I mean, the first time I met Benson, I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to Benson. It's like, but there, like, it all needs to come down to a level where there is easy entry into this to feed the next level of enthusiasts into it. Because, like, I remember I was at Mehan one time and Hibino was there and he was helping this kid who had, like, it was his first track day in a corolla he's just like talking with him like telling him about like lines i'm like how freaking cool is that like 
and that's where they're at. We're like, it doesn't matter who you are and who I am. We love the same thing. Yeah. And that's where, like you're saying, like what you have on this podcast and kind of telling the history, I think will demystify some, some things and some people to a level where it makes it more accessible Relatable, because yeah. I, I mean, all I want is to people keep drifting and having fun yeah. and, and have building their own culture. Yeah. Oh, that's why I'm, uh, yeah, because that's why I'm more than happy to help like, uh, like Jason from Animal Style, even though I feel some kind of way because he's got like something like 13,000 followers. I'm like, uh, you really want my advice? But, but it's not about that, right? It's yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, well, I'm here. If you really want to know how to get here, I can yeah. help you. It's just yeah. like, yeah, that, that time period, I don't think they ever pulled, pulled through. Like, remember when Instagram was going to like eliminate how many likes you got on a photo? And stuff. I I was all for that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's because Facebook bought them out. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, there needs to be as a society like a pullback from that kind of stuff. Of like, that's why I pulled away from social media for so long. Yeah, but like, but that's what I mean. Like, it's great that like people who have a large following can reach out to people who maybe don't have as large a following, but they see value in making that partnership and that connection. Right. Just for the betterment of what you're trying to both do collectively. Right. Um. But yeah, and I think that's a really key component of what a lot of us should probably be doing in the next couple of years is cultivating the next, the next level of, or like, I guess the next recruitment, if that's the right word. Generation. If you, if yeah, you the, want the car culture to exist, right? yes, you yeah. have to, you have yeah. to recruit yeah. the younger generation. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, without it, it's going to, it's going to all go away. And, exactly. Uh, I mean, no. I'm working on it. Trust me. We're making sure it's going to go away if you don't make sure it stays. Yeah, yeah. Would yeah. you guys say it's okay to go ex- or expand out to like electric cars? Yes. Absolutely. Because that's the future, right? Yeah. Yes. I, so I, like, I for the new generation of kids, they it's might. It's just a different kind of car. Electric cars. I don't. Yeah. You can have a, a sporty electric car. I don't care how it gets done. I just think drifting just and sliding a car it is just. <laughs> The, the feeling that you get while doing it is something extremely unique and I don't care I don't care how you do it I don't care if you do it in a front wheel drive Civic I don't care if you do it in a Miata or 240 or a, a Tesla Model 3 like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me but like that's you know, funny. I mean it, there's something to be said for shifting gears and the noise and the sound and the smell and all of that but that's just because that's what we're used to right you yep. know um so that's funny that you say that because um i was just talking to tf mike today and uh, he told me dave is getting a a model three (laughs) he just put an order for a model three mike's asking me about the next gen explorer right it makes sense yeah i mean you've got you've got all those other shops i mean i don't know if you've seen the like invasive do you know mountain uh mountain pass performance no oh i've heard of it but like even invasive invasive is massive right and they just did an amazing like time attack model three with, I think Dayoshihara was driving it and like yeah. system right. So like, it is the future whether we like it or not. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean and it's, like. Yeah. I I don't want to I don't, I don't I mean to cut you off but like no. that because like um, Mountain Pass performance they used to do you remember Sasha from Canada? Yep. Who did the? That's his company. Yeah, that's yeah. his company. But he only yeah. that that company only does model threes. So they do model three performance parts for the track. And it's, and it's smart. I mean, it's coming. The future. I mean, coming. every, every day you see some other company unveiling some other thing, Hummer with their new EV Hummer. Like, you know, it's just like, it is the way of the future and to deny it is being kind of 
kind of dumb, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I well, think there will always be a place for the combustion engine and what we have grown up doing. Mm -hmm. It will become harder to do, of yes. course, more expensive to do. Yes. Um, but more I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but I mean, there'll be a new generation of the way you tune an Electric EV, cars, yeah. whatever it happens to be, but like, yeah. or it's a kit. And I mean, I can't even think, someone's probably got to even think about it. Like a kit to turn an FD or a 180 into an EV yeah. that you can drift, yeah. that somehow you can, yeah. somehow you can connect, as you talked about before, I think in another episode, like, why can't you make it a manual EV? Like, yeah. cause that's the only thing really missing from the EV equation and drifting right. is right. you just need a sequential or like something that allows you to, to manually control the transmission. Really you all you're looking for is yeah. torque control. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's all you need. Yeah. You need torque control so you can control wheel speed and you, yeah. you know, like all of that. And you need, yeah. you need, you need a non-electrical e-brake as well in reality. So there's like a couple of things you have to do, but it's like, who's to say that some company won't be able to do that for yeah. the chassis that we love. But when, when an SR20 is like a bar of gold and there's no way you can find one. One Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How much do they you know? go for now? Like a, I don't even three, know. No, it's like four grand just for the motor, know. right? I don't even know. I, I started to look for, I mean, it's not an SR, but for example, like I was looking for a, a 2J with a manual transmission to potentially swap into my sport nice. cross. Yeah. It's like twelve thousand dollars. Twelve thousand dollars. I mean, go fuck the, yourself. The, the engine itself is probably only like three to four of that. It's uh, for that the transmission. Transmission is what's just like ridiculous, right? But it's just like that's going to continue, and it's going to be unreachable for people who want to get into it. And you're either going to have people who just completely leave it because it's just unattainable, or there's a new way to get into it. And if it's one day at US Air at a Club of Far event, it's there's no engine silence, noise in it yeah. and it's just silence and tire squealing like so be it so here's right? the thing what people fail to realize about the benefits of ev so like you know how um i think i told you like last month i was down in austin and i spoke with chris from grid life so yeah. i want to get into his ear about how to change the yeah. rules for evs and how to handle the competition side of evs because i don't know if yeah. he's thought really thought it through mm -hmm. um and then also um it helps make tracks easier to build because the yeah. zoning becomes easier because there's less noise complaints. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, therefore yeah. you can get more seat time. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. like, I know you and I and Phil and Simba and a couple other people have been talking about getting this racetrack built. So um, hopefully yeah. we can get that happen, make that happen yeah. in the next few years. So we have a permanent home for ourselves. Yeah. But you know, um, there are benefits to EVs yeah. that, go beyond yeah. just the yeah. driving dynamics yeah the thing for me for evs i think ev in in a time attack or like wheel-to-wheel -wheel race kind of um you know setting i think yeah. it's okay i think the problem with drifting is you do use the sound of the motor as an indication of when you should be doing certain yeah doing certain things right um whether it's a clutch kick or a downshift or an upshift um and you can feel it some in the seat of your pants you know with the seat but like the the audible nature of drifting in some some positions is like you kind of need it and that's the piece that i'm not sure how it would translate but i'm well, sure people can know, adapt I, right I, 
if you're I just wonder. using audio cues, that's why they pump in the sound, right? So you can yeah. hear that pitch well, and that's when you know to too. pick up, right? Yeah, so yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I want to ask, you know, when you say you, know, you, you use that engine noise uh, and the tire noise as well, obviously, as the indicator, mm-hmm. is it an indication of an RPM? Or is it like, because if it's a it's, pitch, right? Because it, 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 it correlates to an RPM because you're listening for a sound. It's really a frequency in your brain. But that's, yeah, so yeah, when, yeah. when that's indicating an RPM, that's essentially mean you just need to know what, yeah. uh, what torque band or like what par band yeah. the current engine is sitting on. Well, you need to do next yeah. to set up yeah, the sequence and it's, for the corner. Right, right. And, it's, and I would say it's a combination of, uh, I hope I'm explaining this right. And if, you know, people who drift, hopefully I'm not, saying something wrong here but like it's just from what i experienced like it's the noise of the engine rpm level and is it bogging or doing something and is it the, the, the tire noise but it's also as your as your hand is resting on the gear shift like what is it what do you feel there like is it is it rough is it you know like i don't know there, there's so much sensory in what you do without thinking about it mm-hmm. that i think if you remove all of that direct mechanical interaction that mm-hmm. you have with a manual transmission and the audible cues that an engine gives you it would be a pretty big learning curve of yeah. like h- how does that how do you react to it now it i could be completely wrong never having driven an ev in in anger but like because there's unlimited instant torque, maybe it doesn't even matter. Yeah. So you know maybe I mean? it simplifies the entire process. Yeah. So, yeah. So because yeah. you don't have to shift, right? And there's yeah. torque on demand. You yeah. don't have to worry about upshifts yeah. or downshifts. Right. And um, yeah. Like, you, oh, you know, have to worry. Yeah. All you have to do is like worry. when you go, go, go. I was going to say, all you have to do is worry about disrupting. Yeah. Disrupting the rear end, right? Yeah. To get it loose. Yeah. And then when, yeah. as soon as you do that, you just put the floor on and you can keep it going for as long as you need. Right. But I mean, you know, I think it's the key for it all is going to be how does, how would the e-brake potentially play into it too? Because so you'd have to retrofit a hydro. I don't even know for a hydro. I mean, for me personally, I actually don't like hydro e-brakes. I like like cable because it offers, it offers modulation. Sure. I mean, and and I don't know. I mean, I haven't built a full-fledged drift car with new fangled that sounds bad but like new hydro e-brake i mean maybe it's a little bit more progressive but yeah. you know in when i was really into it and hydros were coming new it was like an on and off switch yeah. but but that's what evs oh, yeah. are right it's all binary yeah, yeah yeah but like for me an e-brake doesn't only lock to a it slows stop. you down right it slows it down like and if you watch even old option videos in d1 there's times when I pull the e-brake and when you look outside, they're not locking the wheel. They're just slowing the wheel down. And so there's pieces of that that like you'd have to incorporate somehow into the EV. Yeah. And I don't know how that works with the electronic motor. Like so if that's the, the, possible, the, right? yeah. the, electri- the electronic motor itself isn't the issue. Yeah. Um, the issue is it's more practical. So right now there's no cars that are EVs that are built with handbrakes. They're all right. the, the uh, they're all electric electronic solenoids, right. which is why you have to currently use a hydro. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. in the future, let's say you were to build uh, a, ma- a manual transmission EV, you could also have a handbrake work exactly like the current handbrake, where it's all cable based yeah, yeah, yeah. using yeah, like yeah. a shoe. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be exactly that, but it, 
could feel like that because my guess yeah. is it would just be cheaper to do it another way so we wouldn't use cables yeah I, yeah i, feel I like mean that wouldn't be an oem decision exactly rather. no it, no it would, it would be, be a shop that yeah. sort of developed yeah. the parts and you can do it yeah totally. there's no there's no reason totally. why you can't yeah yeah i mean you know you think about like you know the the e-brake system that you have on like a wrc car where when you when they pull it it disengages yeah. the entire rear you know drivetrain yeah. yeah. to allow you to pull the e-brake and modulate what you need like it could be a very similar where it you pull it it's a shoe on the actual yeah. drum or whatever it may be but it also disengages the electronic motor so no matter what it's doing yeah it stops well, the engagement well, you know so how like when you yeah. when you help, when you pull the e-brake there's a sensor to turn that light light for the brake is on yeah yeah you can also yeah. use that as a switch to disengage yeah. the motor yeah exactly. yeah, yeah so it's, yeah. it's very simple in terms so, of like making it so, work so but th so this is a million dollar shop idea for yeah future. for anyone who wants to build ev drift cars there's your million dollar yeah. idea free of charge i mean i'm i'm i call it man i mean if someone i'm sure there's someone it's gonna happen it now but like it has to. If, if there's an ev solution for current popular drift platforms i feel like it would be advantageous and something that has legs because yeah. well you can only you can only rebuild an sr so many times there's only so many of these things that have even been made and the only thing that could happen is and i think you guys talked about it before with someone else but it's like unless these oems release the specifications to have some aftermarket company reproduce items which is a thing because we've seen it in the muscle car industry but like unless someone makes a new sr block and head yeah. like it you're gonna run out of this stuff and you're gonna have to have another option right my my so. guess my guess is what is gonna happen is like nissan and mazda like how they're reviving like the r's like the r34s yep. r33s yep. and r32s and yep. mazda's yep. now yep. doing yep. the uh, miatas as well as the rotaries yep. Yep. they're gonna do that because it's just gonna become more um they already have the molds right so why not yep. make all the money yep. for themselves so it's going well, to happen yeah, once exactly. the equation um, yeah. adds up. Yeah, and so, I think you're right. Like, they they'll be able to do this, like we've seen with with Nissan and the GTR, and none of that is cheap by any means. So they can set the market to whatever they want. It's like because you want OEM. Yeah, guys like, like guys like Damon, right? Camry on bronze, he'll buy it because yeah. he wants he'll OEM. He'll buy it. You know, the Miata community is massive. Yeah, hundred and the most you, popular sports car. Yeah, and if you can you can buy OEMs of this, this, and this, and it's three times what it was new, it doesn't matter. You They'll buy it. Yeah. It's OEM quality. It's OEM fit and finish. And, it, and then it goes to, like, the restoration yeah. where, like, it's a correct factory part, right? Yeah. So I see so, that being a thing, but there, yeah. there's going to have to be a new generation of things as well, right? There will be. There will be EVs yeah. for the, the, cheap, the, yeah. the poorer you people. Know, I, yeah. I wonder because there may be car companies and brands that may not survive they won't. in the next yep. 20 years. For sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. For and, sure. You know, if you don't have a practical like solution to, to a changing times, like you mm -hmm. as a company as a whole, you may not survive. So like, exactly. So companies like Mazda, let's say like, you know, as, as much as Miata's are widespread, you know, they may not survive. If they don't survive, there yeah. will be a company that buys up, the yeah. like the parts yeah. like making like licenses yeah. and whatnot that company might do well yeah, yeah. so so have you have yeah. you guys heard about um the chip shortage issue in the automotive yeah, industry yeah, yeah. right now so it's like all over the news right it's because right now everyone is trying to copy tesla's playbook and create yeah, yeah, um yeah. 
vehicles that are able to get uh, over-the-air updates. Mm. So right. that means you can right. just get on a Wi-Fi connection, you update the software instead of taking it to yeah. the dealership. Yeah, yeah. Because of that, everyone needs chips, right? And all the AV stuff, everyone needs chips. Yeah. And that's what is essentially driving the chip shortage in the auto industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On top of this Bitcoin mining stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there's a drastic shift happening right now. We yeah. all We all see it. And where does it leave the classical automotive enthusiasts? I don't really know. Um, you know, and I think it's going to be like horses, like only rich people will have horses, right? Yeah. Because I think it's, yeah. you know, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a really interesting game play out with traditional fossil fuels. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no way around it. Right. It's like, should I go buy like 20, you know, barrels of like 93 octane and like, yeah. keep it in and like keep it in my garage with don't, like don't do that people it'll, and, it'll and go put, bad and put in like you know some of that what is that called like stable, stable fuel like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh I, I speak only for the midwest because we yeah. have 93 octane with 10 yeah. uh ethanol so it goes bad <laughs> yeah yeah but it's just like you know at some point i feel like something's gonna change i don't know if we're gonna have a drastic drop in price followed by like a drastic rise in price because they stopped producing it I yeah mean, who knows but i think you know i think the the biggest you know it's an interesting thing i don't know if you've read up on toyota's feelings on the ev because of the batteries yeah so um it's it's, yeah. it's not just the battery but it's not the fully convinced yeah well, so no i i would say that they are convinced that this is the future i think what they're trying to tell people is that the timelines that people are considering for oh, this yeah. it's not are highly unrealistic because if you think right now, the number of people who are employed directly in the automobile industry as a result of fossil fuels and internal combustion engine engines, it's immense. Yeah. And to like disrupt that entire industry within a 10 year period is going to be devastating no. to, well, to the economies. Right. And yeah. so, they're like, look, we, we get this as the future, but it's not an overnight I'll, thing. I'll, I'll tell you what's happening right now. So this decade, right now what's happening is Europe is going to EV, right? The yeah. next decade, America is going to go to EV. Yeah. And then after that, Asia. And then after that, it's the emerging markets. They'll go, not, not necessarily even EV, because what people forget is like um, natural, the, the ultimate goal is zero greenhouse, greenhouse gas emissions. It's not to yeah. get battery power. So um, fuel cells with hydrogen, right? Yeah. If you like noise and yeah. you like filling up, that's a potential solution that we're working yeah, yeah, on, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but EV is just one yeah. solution. Yeah. It's just the most, yeah. it's the fastest way to get off greenhouse yeah. gas or get a greenhouse gas. And that's gas. why, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I'm like, I always think of back to the future and I'm like- It's your fusion? Uh, yeah, I was like, I want, I want my, Miata with a turbo that in the back I can like throw in banana peels and orange peels <laughs> yeah. and, and like beer with the can blast, yeah and like blast off into the future yeah. and like that's what powers my car yeah. it's it's still, you, get, you know what I mean yeah like, there's alternative there's alternative energy sources <laughs> yeah. we're working you on yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mercedes diesel and put in your yeah, yeah, yeah vegetable oil yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> by the way guys we have one more whiskey sitting here yeah let's get here let's, let's get into it let's wrap it up so it's um yeah, what is this? I just like talking to you, Rob, because I don't see you often enough. 
This is Whistle Pig. <laughs> it's um, technically from Vermont. It's a rye whiskey, so it's not bourbon. But it's finished in, uh, I don't know how you say this, but it's Umishu. Umishu, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Umishu yeah, barrels. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go, take, go wine, yeah. yeah, take a break. So it's, wine, in, yeah. yeah, Japanese plum wine. So again, that yeah. American-Japanese connection. Nice. And then nice, for nice, you, nice. I figured because to bring it back to America, now that you're back with your family and you have like a hybrid family like I do. <laughs> let's talk about fatherhood, man. Man, these, these parents, this is like well thought out. This is good stuff, man. Uh, that's why it took nine months to do three interviews. <laughs> But also my job uh, keeps me busy and, and parenthood yeah, keeps me well, busy. All of us. All yeah. of us, right? But this is good. This is good. Ooh, that has an interesting nose. It's it's got like that plum like Yeah. Like, it's there. It's there, yeah. I like that. Yeah. It also does have some of that rye spice. So like Hoenn goes on yeah. about like this minty flavor that gets imparted by rye. So it does have a little bit like of a mint, like it definitely does. Yeah. If you like get like, past like the heat, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Mint. yeah, yeah. Just like how mint like has that spiciness to it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, speaking of parenthood, I think you touched on this a little bit. I think when you talked with Phil in a previous episode, but like, I don't know how you feel. And I think you hit on it a little bit where like, if, if your son is inquisitive and pushes and wants to learn about cars and yeah. what it is, you'll be all about it. But for me, I mean, I have girls and not to say that they can't get into cars because more power to them and they yeah. can do whatever they want. Yeah. But I will definitely not be pushing them into it because to our, other whole conversation, you don't want, yeah. to our other conversation, if you can think of how much money we would have in the bank right now, able to invest or do whatever we want to do with, if you didn't use it on cars, you'd be, we'd be crying, right? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't even want to think and try That's... to, you know, how much money like I've spent on the Miata, the, the S15, the 240, and the Corolla, you know, that Phil has not like, you don't even want to think about that no, stuff. And I if know. you, and if you cannot have your children be involved in this mess that is both financially crippling, drug addiction, but, but also it's, it's genetic too, mentally. Yeah. Like, but it's funny because it's, it's, it's financially crippling, but all of us here and so many people listening, I can tell you have made lifelong and lifelong and extremely impactful friendships because of it yeah like it, it's, it's worth amazing, the price but, yeah but man i don't wish it on anybody no <laughs> no so this is no, like I mean. my my parents to this day will will lecture me if i spend money on cars <laughs> yeah and i'm like yeah, listen yeah. you guys understand i got to this position in life because i spent money on cars right yeah, yeah. like i got my yeah. job because i was curious about yeah. cars so yeah, please yeah. back off. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, God damn, I spent too much money in fucking cars. Oh no. I mean, and, and it's the thing being older. Like I remember when I built, I began building the Corolla that Phil has now that you guys talked about. Um, the way that build began was because one, it be, I was fortunate enough to be asked to judge at the first final bout by Ilya and, and the final bout team. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was no way in hell I was going to find about two without driving because I realized how much I hate watching drifting. Yep. That's why I stopped I, going to events. <laughs> I hate it with a passion. Yep. Like it's, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, 
it, it, it's like going somewhere expecting sex, but all you can do is watch yeah. and then you just get to leave. You don't even get like, to jerk off because you're in public. Yeah, yeah. You don't get to, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the best I can do to explain it. I was like, there is no way I'm ever going back and not driving. And so that's where I, I began the build of that car. But I built that car starting with, you know, in sales at the, at the moment, like I got a really nice bonus check. And I was just like, oh, shit, I'm not going to tell my wife about this. We're just going to build a drift car in another state 3,000 miles away no harm no foul right if she was like, oh. <laughs> but like but but you think about it as an adult like 10 no not 10 years later like you know five six years later and yeah. you're like i was like do you know where tesla and microsoft and amazon were yeah. five or six years ago and if i had taken that check and put a third in each of those i could have built 15 of these corollas i right? know man but like it's, but like if you didn't buy that you... wheel and put it in bitcoin yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> You know, I ordered Iris Watanabe wheels from Japan, which were ridiculously expensive. I was like, one of those wheels, if I had put it into any of these companies we're talking about right now, I would have been able to buy the company or something, right? It's just like, it's ridiculous, <laughs> right? But it's just funny how like, as you get older, like you think about stuff like that, but I wouldn't take it back either at the same point. Like that car evolved and became something so much more impactful to to me to fill as you've learned like yeah. and it's like i wouldn't take it back but as an adult and a parent it, you think yeah. of like i could have paid for my two daughters college education if i had just instead of buying a shitty chassis just put it into robin hood and been like all right go this is this Try is it. why <laughs> this is why like the subaru right the the gd the sti that yeah. i have yeah by the time I turned 25, I had already sunk, including the price of the car, $60,000 into oh. the fucking, into a 2005 <laughs> Subaru, right? And that's why people are like, oh, when are you going to fix it? When are you going to fix it? Like, is, I've been holding on to it for like the last 10 years doing nothing with it. And people are like, when are you going to fix it? I'm just like, yeah. uh, soon, hopefully. But I keep putting <laughs> it off because and like, I've been saying like this week, I'm like, look, I know another round of stimulus money is coming. Don't buy wheels, <laughs> invest it, take the proceeds and then buy the wheels. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. this week I happened to get my wheels in, right? Cause that's what I, I did. It looks good. It looks yeah, good. Advance, right? Like and they're I like not, it. I, like they're, it's good. I wanted RGs, but I couldn't find any. So I had to get the RSs, right? I and like I had to RS. get them in gunmetal. Cause that's the, the cheapest. RS, it's the RS2? RS2s. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. the RS2s. And plus they're but five by 100. So I have to get spacers, yeah. but whatever. Yeah, but they're yeah. thousand bucks. Like you said. But like, like you said, thank you to Subaru and Toyota for keeping the first yeah. BRZ 5100 because yeah, it, opened, it opened up the world for a lot of Subaru people. But yeah, no, but you know, I think you, at this point in our life, like, I think we can wait to do these things because when we were younger, I think it was a race to impress other people Yeah, and, and just, I need to build this as fast as possible yeah, because it, it wasn't even for the internet. It was because like at no, it, it TF, wasn't. right? It was like yeah, to like yeah, hang yeah. out with your friends and be like, hey, look, look what yeah. I can do, and like yeah, yeah. it's just like like friendly rivalry. Go to, go to this meet, go to go to that meet, go to this event, and have like the coolest thing. And now like I, you don't. That was for that. likes, so it's just yeah, like, yeah. When you don't have that pressure now, like you know, it, with my with my sport cross, like if I don't do anything for two more years and then one day just go ape shit and do everything like I'm fine. It's not for anyone, but me. Yeah. And I'll be happy at that point. And I think like, 
I think what's interesting with this Corolla when I built it is it was an interesting time to build a car because one, I was not physically there the entire time. Everything that I built on that car was via email and AIM messenger before it got discontinued and text yeah. messages with Mike Lee, who will tell you he probably hates me now because I'm an OCD motherfucker yeah. and I annoyed the shit out of him during that build. But it's like you reach a point in your life and you've achieved enough in life to like, like Earl, you could send that car to some shop and just tell them what you want to do and yeah. send them money and it'll get done. Because I don't know about you, but I fucking hate working I on hate, cars. Man. I hate it. <laughs> like, dude, my entire job is working on cars. People think like, oh, you must do your own oil change. It's not fucked though. It's twenty dollars. Why would I waste my time? I'm gonna pay you for eighty bucks to change my oil. I don't want yeah, exactly. That shit. Yeah, uh, like Pete Earl, Pepsi and the Chipotle. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> dude, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy's paid me one Chipotle burrito to install coilovers on his yeah. fucking oh, nice 300. Like 300. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck. Ten dollars? No, fuck yourself. Fuck that. No, but we've achieved. We've achieved enough to out. say no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, now I can yeah. say no. We've come this far in life, and if the last thing we can do is get under a car on a cold ass night or something or like a sweaty ass August afternoon, more power to us, man. Know, We've man. earned our stripes. That's but, all I can say. Yeah. But at the same time, Earl, when you were working on the car, it wasn't that you needed the Chipotle to survive. No. You, know, you, 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 you voluntarily. <laughs> I did it. For I did it out of the kindness of my heart, but also because I'm a nerd and I wanted to peek yeah, at the IS 300 yeah. multi-link. So, so, so there yeah. was yeah. A, yeah. an ulterior motive. Is sure. That, Besides yeah, the survival. Sure, but I was underpaid. Is. I was severely underpaid is my point. <laughs> okay. I'm still severely underpaid. Again, you, but I mean, you named the price. <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, but, but that's also a time where we were it's all okay. learning yeah. and we were interested. And the reason why I did all this work on my car or the work you did on your friend's cars was because you were generally interested to find out how it all worked and came together. And for you, especially Earl, like it lend itself to your career yeah. and you can be in some meeting and be like, I've worked on this. I mean, I don't know your, your job to yeah. the, the minutia, but it's like, it, it's something you've learned and you can say like, I've worked on suspensions on these cars yeah. in a very like shade tree mechanic type of way, but like, I know how it works. <laughs> yeah. I know how things, so, I know yeah, how things yeah. connect. Right. Well, so, so, so you yeah. owe us. I, more, more you, I owe you. I did the work for you, <laughs> motherfucker. We, we gave that platform. I got paid for career. work. I don't owe you shit, right? In fact, you owe me. But like an interesting uh, thing is like because with the Mach E, right? Um, it's a brand new vehicle. It's all electric, like we were talking, but it's still technically a Mustang. Yeah. And um, like you were saying, like I had to build this entire car or my part via email. Because you don't like think about how OEMs build cars. Like before yeah. the, the platform exists and the chassis exists, how yeah. do you build it? So it's yeah, all yeah, through yeah. email, electronic, yeah. some trial and error, right? Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. ultimately, yeah. you don't know what you're doing until it finally gets to yeah. the plant. And right now, that's where we're at. So if you've been keeping yeah. up with the media, over the summer, we're launching the Maki. Yeah. So this week, I've been under a lot of pressure to like get that Dude. delivered. I saw one here last, this past weekend. So that's the base car. I work on the Yeah, yeah. The, the, the yeah it, it wasn't the GT. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. the GT performance, but yeah. I was like, oh, there goes, there goes one of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so like now, like every time you see a Maki, like you have to think like, oh, there's the Earl, the fucking asshole who worked on that shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 
But yeah, in, the, in a roundabout way, it's the same feeling. If I can boil this down, yep. it's the you've worked on your car for like a week straight in your garage and you turn that that jack and you let it down and you're like, mm. what's going to happen now? <laughs> yeah. the first Is it going to fall apart? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it going to start? Am I going to roll out and all the wheels are going to fall off because I didn't <laughs> tighten something? It's the same feeling, but in a, in a way every that, single time, in a way that yeah. your, your career and your paycheck and your well, whole family's existence depend on it. So, so here's the difference. Oh, no pressure. No, no. Before the, <laughs> before the, before when it was my own car and I turned the key and I'm about to drive it. It's like, just, just don't let me die. Just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. let me get back into the garage. Yeah, and if yeah, anything's yeah. wrong, I'll fix it. Right please. now. It's just like, please don't let anyone else die because I fucked yeah. up my job. So it's a lot of stress. Oh man. It's so, so much, the, yeah. To, to this point, the craziest story I have on this, I think we all have a crazy story on like you worked on your car or someone's car and you missed something and it kind of fucked up. <laughs> but I remember, I remember I had my car at Toge factory and I was working somewhere else at the time. Um, I worked at like a physical therapy office with Eric Wortman, which is an interesting one, but I had my car at Toge factory. And I think Dave and Eric Francisco we're going to, we're putting in my, my LSD and my Miata. And I think Eric forgot to put on the crown nut that goes on the end of your axle. Mm-hmm. Right. And it holds the axle to the hub and the wheel and like everything. Right. Yep. And then Phil went and picked it up from them when it was done to come pick me up at work. And so he's going down 90, like, and it's Phil. He's not taking it easy. Was, He's like, was, does he have the license or not at this point? Uh, probably not. not right? <laughs> My recollection of Phil is he had no license from Ever. Like, the time I met Ever. him to like 2020. Like, so I don't you know, left like, uh, yeah. America. He never had a license is how I kind of see it in my head. Yep. And so he's like, he's like, and it's Phil. He's, he's in a turbocharged Miata with like a new LSD that was just broken in or whatever. And like, He's just booking it down 90, like to come pick me up. And he's like, he called me in the car, which is like, you know, our old ass, like brick cell phones that you play snake on. He's like calling me. Nokia's. Yeah, the Nokia's, right? He's like, man, dude, this car is so fun, but it feels really weird. It's like back and forth, back and forth. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Just get here and pick me up. So he like comes and picks me up. And like, so Eric had forgot the crown nut that goes on the end of the axle, right? And so the car was like literally going like this, like down the road. And it was like the craziest. I was like, it, the whole wheel and hub could have like flown <laughs> yeah, off yeah. and like done all of that. Right. On the highway. And like, to a 90. <laughs> on the highway, like, you know, like doing that. And he gets, he picks me up. I'm like, I drive it for like two seconds. I'm like, this is, there's, this is not right. Like, this is not. <laughs> so we like get back on 90. We go back up all the way north to North. Oh, God. So we had it was at the time. And I'm in like the right lane like going like 30 like he's like dude he's like dude you could totally go like 60 i was going like 60 to like 90 i was like i was like bro this ain't your car like i can't and so like we get to northbrook we like get off of what is like 90 connects to like 294 you up there whatever i don't know we get there and like at the point they were like breaking in the the diff where you like you know do your figure eights to like break in and clutch it it had like popped off or something so it's like literally like sitting on the street i'm like the crown nut is just like sitting right there guys like how does it and there's just like one of those times where you're like sometimes you just gotta do shit yourself what year was this was this when you took my dad for the ride 
oh, in the Miata. I don't remember. Do you remember I don't that? Remember. Yeah, I remember that. That yeah. was it. Was that it? That was in Northbrook. Was that at Road America? No. Was that in the track or was it? On no, the- it was in Northbrook. It was like when I first, I was like 19 when I first met TF Dave. And like I had my, uh, my S14. Maybe. And now I, I was picking it up it's from getting the probably, swap. Probably around that time from then. Yeah. But yeah. I remember giving your dad for right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was probably around that time frame. But like, it's just one of those times where like, I can't imagine how many people actually have real disasters after working on their own car. Yeah. But we skirted disaster like somehow, but like that that was just that was craziness. And Eric Francis is like, sorry man, I don't I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not to throw now he has his own shop, but yeah. I recommend that you go to I do as to, well because he's to, so meticulous. Eric's Eric's auto lab and, yep. and he's a good guy. He's a good guy. But like um it's just funny how like you work on your own car and you yeah. sometimes you got the handful of bolts, you're like where where did these come from? Yeah. No, no. So so I like, thought I was done, but there's something left over. So just just to like just to um, paint a, a a fuller picture of Eric and not to throw him under the bus. Shout out to Eric Francisco. We love you. Um, he's like a big brother to me, right? Um, but Eric, like he's just happened to be a few years on older. Happened to have a few more tools than I. And happened to know the right Google search before I did at that point, right? Because we were all, because like that was like 2000, what, three, four? So like no one really, none of us really knew what we were doing. We were all in our early 20s, right? Don't, don't say none of us. You didn't. <laughs> Fine, but I didn't did you know. Eric what, didn't know. How to Google? No, how to do like an SR swap. Oh, I, I did. Right? Yeah, sure. exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> Eric did the my SR swap at at, at uh, Toge Factory, right? Back in two thousand four. Yeah. And I got it back, um, and for whatever reason, whenever I went watt, it would just bog, and it would just never build boost. And I can we could never figure out why. So it was like a three month process between like emails, like going back and forth. And mind you, I'm like eighteen or nineteen at this time, trying to deal with like who I think are adults, right? In a real shop at the time and yeah. how to get my car fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, I found out like at some future, I found out actually this year, uh, Francisco told me what had gone wrong was at the time, he didn't realize you needed a shielded wire for the, the crank angle sensor signal. <laughs> so you just need to have this special wire. There's nothing really yeah, yeah, yeah. particularly different other than it's got like um, plastic on it to block like... Um, yeah. electromagnetic waves basically like, yeah. interference exactly interference yeah. so it's just a different kind of wire and that's all that was fucking needed but because the harness that came from the the, the swap or from the, the clip was cut they didn't think about it and they just replaced the wire with any old yeah, yeah, wire yeah 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 dude it's like but those are the days where like you couldn't just google like how to do a swap or what the what the wiring was right yeah so yeah it's it's kind of crazy like the amount of dumb shit that we've done with cars and kind of like a trial and trial and error. The fact that I'm way. still alive amazes me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. I already mentioned this. I mean, Eric, Eric, I remember too. This is funny because it's a wiring thing. Eric wired up a fan for me on my Miata that yeah. I had a switch under the dash that like I could turn it on and off. Cause yeah. I kept, I kept overheating after a drift run and then I would, you know, you do your run and then you would sit in the line to wait and then the car would overheat. Yeah. Right? Was it electric fan? Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. And it would only kick on with the ECU telling it it's too hot. But I was like, I just want to run it the whole time. Right. Can you just 
So he was like, yeah, I'll wire that up for you, right? Yeah. But I remember like it, we were going, picking up, I remember I picked up Alex Pfeiffer in Milwaukee at the airport and we were driving up to Road America to do an event at Road America, the Briggs and Stratton, whatever it's called. Yeah. It's not even called that anymore, it's something else. But, but we're like driving down or like up like, through like Sheboygan or something like that. And all of a sudden- Sheboygan Falls. Yes, Sheboygan Falls, right? <laughs> the world's biggest like American flag waving in the background. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like under my dash, like a fire erupts, right? <laughs> and like Alex Pfeiffer's like, oh shit, your car's on fire. And I'm just like, oh. Like, so we pull over and like, uh, like it, it actually just like, it goes on fire and then it fizzles and it's done. But I feel like it's kind of the same thing where like he looked at it later and he's like, yeah, I didn't use the right wire. To, you know, <laughs> it's just like too thin, right? So the overcurrent. Yeah, and it was like no fault of his own. It was just like, how do you, like, you don't know this like yeah. kind of thing, but like it's always a trial and error. And now, yeah. and now, and I don't, for anyone listening, you can still take your car to Eric's Auto Lab and it will be amazing. Trust me, he's got 20 <laughs> years of experience after this. He knows what he he's has, doing. He's cut his teeth on people like myself yeah. and Earl. Yeah. And me. Yep. He knows, yeah. <laughs> He's built the wisdom. Yeah. Exactly. He's got plenty of experience. But I trust like, him with my um, life. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's just funny how, like, yeah, when you're learning this before the internet, like, you just, it's a oh, bit of a trial man. and error process. Barbaric, man. man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, like, I'm, I wanted, again, to start the podcast to, like, give context and stories to the pictures that people saw on the internet, right? Mm. Because yeah, like, yeah. like, um, for example, like Risky Devil is a huge thing, but because I didn't have a drift car, most people don't know I was involved at, at all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but even though like all like the OGs know, like I'm the, the crazy guy who went past the cop on 94, right? Like speeding past me at 140 mi- 40 miles an hour. So, but like, these are the stories that the internet will, you know, don't really, doesn't really know yeah, about yeah, because yeah. we never yeah, posted yeah. it. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you should no, be I posting mean, stuff like that, anyways. Well, I'll redact it. I'll just blank out the. Sound. I'll put a, yeah. a beep. Yeah, but I mean, it's just. I think what's really cool about the Chicago scene, if we're going back to that, is there were very distinct time frames within it of like very succinct Eras. shifts, yeah. shifts in in what it was, and you know, like you know you know, a group of us started Club Afar and, and went forward with that. And then it kind of branched off into the street scene for a while, which I never really was very much yeah. involved in. Because you were already moved. You already left the country. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of like, I was kind of scared of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it was also a little bit on that of, at the when that really started coming about with Goose and stuff like that, I had already been in Japan yeah. and I think I went to goose a few times and I was kind of underwhelmed yeah. and that's, yeah, yeah. and that's it's, just it's literally one corner, but the internet yeah. hikes it up. Yeah. And that's just me as like a person, like having seen some other things. And I was like, I'm not going to risk my license and my car to do this, but the people who did it and did it well, did it amazing and more power to them. They did an amazing thing there. Oh, they did. Cause you know, like it took one corner and made it internet yeah. famous. Yeah, yeah, and right, and that's amazing too. Yeah, like, and it, it was is, fun. It I did it maybe once or twice, and I was like, "This was cool," but like, I had a different reference point to what I I really had seen. Yeah, but like, but before that, I mean, and Simba had alluded to this in his previous episode too. Like, we went to the DCs, which are distribution centers in Romeoville and Plainfield, and 
you know, him and me and, and Brian Crab and Jesse and Eric Wartman. I mean, those were the times, like he was saying, like, we could drift there all night long and no one knew what the hell was going on. And there was no, there's no crowd, there no, right? There was no crowd. There was no police presence because they didn't really know what this was. And you know what I mean? Like, so I remember it was like yeah. it, before it was like a, like an after work thing, right? With the TF guys, we would just go. Oh, yeah, like yeah. that's how I found out about it. Right. And then like the TF yeah, customers yeah. would go. Right. Yeah. And then they would tell their friends and then yeah. eventually it just grew into this huge thing. And then I would just be there cause I'm in my super, right. I'm just there yeah. sleeping. Cause like, I just wanted to drive the highway, right. Yeah, Cruise yeah. to the spot, yeah. post up, yeah. they're drifting while I'm sleeping. It's 4am time to cruise back on the highway home. And that's what I did. Yeah. I mean, I think, it was an interesting time because people started being involved that it was almost like we didn't want to involve in it because it would get too big. Everyone felt like they had a, owned a piece of it because it, it was really yeah. about Chicago, right? Yeah. yeah. So and everyone think, felt yeah, they that, owned a piece of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I think, you know, like Grip Gambler and then more so maybe Risky Devil have a certain place in the history book of what Chicago drifting culture was. Right. And they're all very, very important. Right. And I think they all had their different pieces of it. And then ultimately you have Club Afar in the background is like the joining place where all of these teams would join and kind of just drift together, which was, was really cool. And I think is what maybe goes back to what we talked about hours ago now is like it's this really cool structure of bringing everyone together and you know with with Ilya and Simba and the other team within Proceed that kind of had this image of Final Bout bringing all these things together and culminating them all together into these drift team events it kind of like brought everything together and said, we all have our own thing, but we all love the same thing. Let's do it together. Yep. And it, it took that next step in the Chicago culture yep. and put us on a stage that I think, you know, and, and amazing credit to Ilya and the whole team there and the influence that we had to push that forward. Now we, I shouldn't say we, I, I didn't oh, have anything I'm- to do it. Yeah, I didn't have anything to do with yeah, that, but yeah, like, yeah, but like, I mean, in the early stages of a final book, Club of Fire was very kind of intertwined, and then it kind of became its own thing, which is which is fine. Right. So I don't want to say we, um, but like it, it definitely pushed the whole thing forward, and it took these clicky pieces and kind of put them together, and again, yeah. put them together into a world that's like we're all doing the same thing yeah. for the same reason, and we love this thing called drifting and we have a similar feeling about it it should be it should be a car show well drifting yep. is what it really should be like it's not about who wins and who loses even though there was a competition it's not about that it's about everyone should look fucking cool drifting right yep. and so it, like it took all the phases of chicago and kind of like pull it all together and made it this one thing that now, I mean, we're kind of known for, yeah. right? So like, the best way I can uh, put this in, a, in, a, in a, an analogy is in basketball terms, because that's just what I know. So 
in basketball terms, what Rob has just been describing is like the NBA. And you don't get to Michael Jordan without Magic Johnson and um, Larry Bird. So in this scenario, we'll say Rob is Larry Bird because he's obviously white, right? Uh, and then we'll say- uh, um, John Paxson, John Paxson. Yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. If you want to be a Bulls player, right? Uh, sink the game-winning three. Um, John Paxson, Steve yeah. Kerr. Yeah, but, you, but you know your role, right? Either way. But yeah, I say- we'll, we'll I make say- the John Paxson, Steve Kerr, I make the clutch shot. Yeah. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, we'll yeah, leave it at that. That's fair. Leave it at that. That's fair. And then if <laughs> if we're going to say final, Club FR, let's say, is the really the um, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson era. And final bout is the MJ era. Let's just say that. But you don't get to MJ without Bird and Johnson or that uh, mm. Magic Johnson, and, right? And Paxton. Yeah, yeah, and Paxton, right? He helped win the 92 title. So, or yeah, the 92. Yeah. He won yeah. that. He won. Exactly. The 92. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The shot. The exactly. shot. Exactly. And Kerr, right, in 97. The shot. Exactly. I'm just saying. But I'm just what saying. I'm trying to ultimately say, though, in this basketball analogy, is that really we think final bout is MJ, but it's not. Chicago and final bout has always been Allen Iverson, right? MJ is technically Formula D, but we've always been Allen Iverson and we inject our own style and our own uh, fingerprint on the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very true. Yeah. I mean, I have to boil it down to Chicago. I feel like, I feel like, how do you just... I really think we're AI. We, I, we, we, we changed the game, but not necessarily, we're not like the, the greatest. No, I don't think we changed the game. We just did what other people were doing, and then we happened to be in the right place at the right time with the right people to make it yeah. very different in our own. We're That's the Tyloo. Like, like I said, we're Tyloo. We're always in the right moment, the right place at the right time. No, I, I feel like maybe in a very simple sense to keep it Chicago. Yeah. We are the club FR is is Jordan. Mm-hmm. And then no, that's the wrong way. <laughs> no, no, no. Club Afar is Pippin. Yep. And then Toge Factory and Dave and what he He's did Jordan. is Jordan. He's Jordan. And then My you God. have a supporting cast, but you could not have Jordan without Pippin. You couldn't have Pippin without Jordan. And yeah. you couldn't have six rings without either of those two. And all of the supporting cast in between, whether it's you know the, risk, the Risky Devil people, it's the Grip Gambler people. Yeah. It's it's everyone in between, like the dark star people. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 Ilya before he was in any of this and before the proceedings. Oh, dude, people, I remember Ilya the first event he went yeah. to, and he wouldn't shut up. Oh my god, I still <laughs> remember that. <laughs> oh man, I the earliest remem- memory I have of Ilya is at Auto Mass. If you remember Auto Mass, yeah, that was like oh eight. Yeah. Or no, was, no, 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 no. Auto Mass was two thousand twelve. Oh, was it? All the mess was 2012. Holy and I only remember that is because there was a time period where I moved back to Chicago from Hawaii for like a, a period and worked again at Toge Factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me about that. Well, well, my life was doing this. Yeah. But like, um, and, and I know he drifted before that at, at different events, but like, and, and Ilya, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering this, but like you're, you were drifting your red FC and you had, I want to say like, yeah, a guys. super young 
No, you had like a super young like Russian girl in the passenger seat the whole time. And it's just yeah. like it's ingrained in my memory of like you just like going crazy, going ham in this car, doing things. I was just, like, how are you doing this with an NAFC? Yeah. And you had this like this kind of cute that's, Russian girl in your passenger that's, that's seat. That's four years of street tripping <laughs> the same chassis, man. Yeah, yeah, no. And exactly. I mean, you know, it, you know, big ups to, to Ilya and what yeah, he's been able to do in yeah, the chassis. Sure. Like shout out to Ilya. Yeah, yeah. The things he did in that NAFC chassis were 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 legendary. Yeah. Um, and I think you know the fact he's in that FD now, he's doing other really really cool things, and what he's done along with the rest of the team in Final Bout have been. Yeah, know, man. I can't. Legendary wait. as well. Legendary I cannot wait well. to interview Ilya and the rest of Proceed. I've yeah, already talked yeah. to the guys. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think. Um, you know what what he did is definitely taking stuff into the next next level and i mean it's interesting because now we're talking about things that have happened what five years ago now which yeah. is kind of crazy you know but it's still it still has legs and that's what i think is the biggest test is it, it's a thing that is based on drifting that it's all about how the car looks and the connections you have, and that will never change. So I don't think it will ever go out of style, if that's, if that's the right way to say it, right? Like, we all harp on drifting at the FD level of, like, it's just about having a 1,000 horsepower or having, you know, sponsors or doing this or doing that. But, like, what, what he and the final ball team has been able to put together is something that transcends time and money and horsepower. And it's just boiling down to really, really good looking cars drifting. It's just, and that's it. Honestly, you know I, mean? I realized yeah. like through all these different hobbies and like um, mm -hmm. interests I've picked up over the years, yeah. really what shines through, even through the internet is just being honest about what you're passionate about that transcends yeah. all you know how we talked about you went to japan to drive on these mythical mountains right mm -hmm. and i feel like just i'm not par part of any of this but hearing all this it just sounds like the chicago scene like goose island where it's just a st stupid corner it's all become mythical as i'm well. gonna take you next time i'm in chicago just so you can see it for your own I mean, eyes. I've, I've oh, you've been? been. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've been yeah. there before. Yeah. I mean, I had a it's, front wheel yeah, drive. Yeah. It's one of these <laughs> places where, like, it's nothing special, but you go there and you know the history and you're like, yeah. some shit has gone down. <laughs> Dude, even when I stop by on a random Thursday in the middle of winter, yeah. there, you can still see tire marks. It's fucking yeah. insane. How, how it's, many it's tires really cool. do you think you could make collectively of all the rubber strips that were laid down? <laughs> entire, the entirety of Goose Island. Of the entirety of Goose Island. Because Goose Island is really built on a trash heap. Yeah. You know, you know the office building that's on Goose Island uh, mm. where we drift? My dad had the opportunity to buy that in the 90s for $100,000. <laughs> And that's worth like two, $10 million. Like, right? Yeah. Like, again, if you knew then what you <laughs> yeah, know what now. Would you, what would you do, right? Exactly. Yeah. My dad could have owned yeah. Goose Island and it could have been our private track. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, but then we'd, we'd, be, we'd, we'd be ahead of the game. The exactly. 20 years. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's something that I think has been put together that will stay around for quite a long time. You know, so. I think... Because there's no, there's no pretenses about what Final Bout is. And it's just about having fun 
with your car and your friends and having a few people that have a car that maybe are painted the same color or just in general, like you have the same outlook on your driving style and you drive together. Yep. Like that's always going to be exciting. Yeah. Right. But so for you, for people who work the event and for people who will come and watch the event. And so I think it's really pushed forward what we do here in Chicago um, and beyond, because I mean, as you know, you've got, special stage west you've got special stage east and texas and you've got all these different pieces of it that are really really cool and i think you know to 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 say it's rooted in chicago is very very cool right yeah, it is I mean, yeah to, right. to to say in some roundabout way you know we were the birth of that in a very small amount is really cool but you know i mean like I know my role, right? Like I just you got you guys planted the seed. I put on the water and I just sit back and let it grow, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to let mean, the sun like, do its thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's cool. I mean, like Ilya and all of them at at you know and proceed came to Club of Art events for the first time to drive. Like, I mean, I remember giving Lay a ride at Nora one time, and I connected the entire track, and he's just like, "You just connect the whole track." I was like yeah that that's cool and like and now he and now he could do the exact same thing yeah, yeah. like in his sleep right yeah. and it's just like everything has a cool progression yeah. that began with what you know a core of us started with club afar yeah um and i think it's really cool that has Ilya has been able to and and the other final bout folks have been able to to push to other areas of the country yeah. and make that part of what they do. Um, you know, I met, I mean, in a roundabout way, the reason why I built that Corolla that Phil has is because we had, we had final bout special stage West at park in Washington. And it's the first time I met Shad dynasty guys who is, you know, Matt and Paul and his brother, Mark, who have, you know, the Beams Corolla, the Beams Mango um, Corolla, and, you know, um, yeah. shit, I don't even really had it at the time. Mark had it at the time. Anyway, that's why I have Beams, because yeah. I, I met with them, and then I had the 3SG Beams, I put in the Corolla, and it's just like all these connections come back to yep. Chicago, and then how it is proliferated. Is that a word? How it has... Yeah grown into these connections all around the country and now even japan i mean i'm not yeah, even involved in, in the japan piece as much but i know yeah. simba and Ilya and all those guys and proceed have these connections in japan and they've driven there and it's just it's crazy it's when when, when final about three happened and i saw sexy nights went to shawano yeah. it's crazy it, right? i was like what the like that is going on that's crazy. Yeah. Right? I was like, yeah. this is not real. Like, okay. I, I clearly I mean, need to go to final bout, yeah. the next final bout. So I mean, the, the fact that that track yeah. is like world known now. Yeah. They have a fucking video is, game version of it now. Yeah. It's that, that piece was actually the one that made me think like, okay, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's bigger than we thought. Yeah. 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 And there's people everywhere that know this track and I've driven a lot of tracks around the world and I'm very thankful for that. I don't say around the world in two countries <laughs> in two the States, big motor in the, sporting country, but it's yeah. on the opposite sides of the world, right? Yeah. In Japan, 
mythical places as you, as you say, huh? and in, in America too. But like that place is very, very special yeah. um, because of what it's been and what it's grown. And, and it's fun to drive, right? Like it's, it's, it's an amazing place. And to see that being opened up to a world stage is very, very um, it's so cool. satisfying, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny with, with that track, the, you know, who found that track is actually Keith from Minnesota. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. So I was working with, with, with Eric from Grip Gambler at the physical therapy place that I alluded to before. And Keith calls me. He's like, "Hey, like, I was just like searching online and I found this go kart track. Let me let me email it to you." So he emails me this track, the website. I was just like, "This is amazing." And I remember vividly he texted me back when text was like brand new. And he was like, "Yeah." And he was just like, he was just like, "Get it." That's that's was it. Get it. And I was just like. Oh shit. Cause we had already done tire rack as our first couple of events and we had done Norway as the next couple of events. And then we were looking for the next thing. He was just like, get it. And that's where I drove up there one day and met with them and did all this thing. And it was just, it's just crazy to see where it has evolved to being, being like a very special place in the history of, of drifting. Cause I remember I was there like the first uh, US air event. Cause like I didn't join Club of Four, I wasn't around for the Club of Four in Norway days. Yeah, yeah. But I was and there it was for raining. The yeah, it was raining that day. I remember. Yeah. That. But like yeah. after with US Air, like I just remember like um, when like that was just like the go-to spot, and like we we're having uh, trouble filling up spots and stuff. It was just yeah. like, yeah. like yeah, this place is really cool. Like, why don't people come out and drive it? You know? Yeah, I mean there there was a there was definitely a time. That was like before like Josh was on the track and Chop there, was on the track, right? And Ilya. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That was that was before Josh and Chob and a lot of them started driving. Because they they were still into the Hondas. Hondas and they and had, they, yeah. They had the street driving eventually. Yeah, and they had ITRs and were amazing too and a whole nother beautiful world of automotive culture. But like, you know, they, they were always there. Yeah. And that's that that's just funny, like you look at some videos from Drift Day One or Two or that time frame, yeah. and they were there. Yeah, they may not have been driving, but they were there. You know, and and like, it's just it's just crazy how like everyone is connected with this, and because we were so available with time to just be part of everything along yeah. the way, and where it has evolved, and you know, I remember Josh getting his first two forty, like he had a black one eighty. And like, it's just like, you know, it's, it's just funny, like how everything evolves and they were always around, but it's just like different levels of when things happened and how it progressed yeah. to, to now they are very much a face of Chicago drifting. Yeah. Dude, it's, 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 it's crazy. Right? Cause like yeah. I met Josh when he had an ITR, right. But yeah, now he's me, like, he's like the go-to guy in Chicago drifting, me but too. I still remember when he me first too. got the right hand drive 240, yeah. right. With the firewall swap. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yo, I think I'm gonna get Type X Arrow. What do you think? I was like, yeah, yeah you should go for it, right? With the SSRs, yeah. like the with the rupee or brown, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. But it, no, it's mean, so I, weird. There was, uh, they were always around, you know. And I mean, and you heard a little bit about the whole history of 
Radiari Racing and, and all that from Phil earlier um, in his episode. But like, yeah, I mean, they, they've always been around. Josh has always been around. It's just he was in a different kind of realm at that point. And I'm going to call you out, Josh, if you're listening. But I remember at Norway, there was one day we were drifting and he hopped in someone's car. It might have been like Wartman's car or something. And he tried to go out without a helmet. And like, I like jumped in front of the car and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you need, like, I like yelled at him and I was just like, you don't go out. Like, because we had insurance. We had all these, like, 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 what's the big deal? Yeah. There's nothing to hit. And I I was in my head, I was like, I would love to drift without a helmet and just whatever I want, but like, I can't. Like, we have insurance, right? Like, this is the thing. But like, it was like he's always been around. And those guys have always been around just in different capacities, but it's yeah. just really, really cool to see where it's gone yeah. and sure. that, they, that they're connected to Chicago drifting in a way that if you don't know the history, they've just always, they've just always, always been, been around. Yeah. Right. Well, but I think yeah. you, me and Phil have a, a particular insight because we yeah. left Chicago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we can, we can see it from the outside now. Yeah, 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 but yeah, I think it, but but I think it's great. Like they they've been around for the entire time, but they now are carrying the flag, if yeah. it were. Um, well, they always should have been. And, and I can't think of like better people to carry exactly. the flag, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. they're shout out to Josh, Revgasm, yeah. Josh. Yeah, I still remember the day his ITR got stolen. That was a sad day in Chicago, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like after Josh, that, I learned you always you always park like. Yeah. So you can't like yeah. take them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Josh and Chav and Ilya and and and, and Simba and Leigh. I mean, they all had roots and started with Club of Four and they've progressed it into something where they are maybe bigger than that now, which is fantastic, right? Yeah. But it's um it's cool to see that progression. And yeah. I think the uh I'm just hoping like the next generation of drivers with Club FR and they get into drifting can emulate what they're doing um, because they're doing it really well. Right. You know, and they're doing it then. um, And I'm sorry, Ilya is in proceed as well. Like they're all doing it from a place of love that it's only about driving with your friends and having the most fun possible. Right. Well, here's another thing. They yeah. also like took it farther than we, where we left it, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, they progressed the sport of drifting in yeah, their own yeah, way. Yeah, 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 definitely. And then open it up to people who around the country had the same feeling, but they had never had the medium to connect and say, I feel the way you feel. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. competition is not my end goal. My end goal is just to have the most fun possible and have right. a really, really cool looking car at the same time. Right. Right. So yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Yeah. This whiskey that I have no more of. Yeah. What's your, what's your grade? The, the whistle take. I think I'm in. I'm in a solid A. I think it's my I think it's my favorite. <clears throat> Interesting. I also I think this is my favorite as well because it's the most unique. I think it. Different. 
it's yeah it's like it has more bite mm-hmm. at the end yep the finish the for me yeah but for a reason it makes me like like i'm drinking fucking whiskey yeah yeah for sure throw some hair in your chest yeah. right right like like it tastes good i don't dislike it and i'm like yeah i'm having an adult beverage right now <laughs> you know yeah oh and what, what I, do you grade i it? like it yeah i i would give it an a too but uh, i i know how much that bottle costs so i don't know if i would go out and get it myself no i wouldn't it's just purely well, have, as no you you suckers like me to drink it for yeah. free <laughs> no how much does it cost the boss hog, the whistle pig is $500 a bottle. Retail. Oh, shit. I'm, Retail glad price. I graded the, I'm glad I graded it the yeah. best then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm glad I validated your, your, yeah. your giving me some, Earl. Thanks. Yeah. You, you said this, this was finished in Umeshu? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, I feel like you can I, I can taste, taste it. it. Yeah, yeah. You, you can. You really can. You can taste like the hint of the, plum. The plum, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can taste it. Yeah, yeah. It's I super cool. It. But yeah. also, you also get that minty flavor you you like from yes. the eyes because yeah, it's yeah, a rye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I think this but is... I give it a... Yeah, it's great. Can, can I still buy this? Yes, you can. Yeah. But it's $500. <laughs> but that's, I mean, you know, we've recently... Again, if it's once every once in a while, it makes sense. Like... This bottle will last me like a year. Yeah, I only drink so, it with you guys, right? I don't drink it by yeah. myself. Yeah, and, and you go to a this, you go to a bar, and how much you spend in like yeah, it's a like week. twenty bucks a, a shot or whatever. Not right? even so, it's, like, it's way more than that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's five hundred bucks for a bottle is like that's fine these days. I'll send you the details. Yeah. I'll also put it up in the show notes. It, I know we. Yeah, go ahead. Huh? This whiskey, it's at, because it's so expensive. Yeah. It's actually easy to find. It is. It no is because it, it sits on the shelf. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but man. yeah, yeah. So you rated um, Smokeway or Whistlepig the highest. It's the most expensive. Oh. You rated Smokewagon <laughs> the next best, which is uh, happens to be the second most expensive. <laughs> and you rated Blends the sure. the the least favorite, and but it also you, happens to be the cheapest. Do, but do all you, were but good. They're all to, like honorable. Yeah. Do you have yeah. to put a premium on the Blenton since it's uh, you have to bring it over in your suitcase? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me just tell you my COVID story. I know Hohen and Rob, I told you guys um, offline, but like for the listener, it was February of 2020. I'm in Korea. Yeah. I go. Yeah. No, but it just, it's just insane, right? Like I go to Japan, right? And they're doing temperature scans and there's only 100 cases of COVID. Like, what is going on? I come back to Korea, right? Mind you, I just left Korea the day, the same day I come back to Korea. Now they're doing temperature scans, right? And like making sure like, oh, let me do this contact tracing. Where's your address? What's your phone number? How can I contact you? Yeah, yeah. Then two days later, I come back to America. Just come on in. <laughs> That's how I knew we were going to be fucked. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. You, the US yeah. had no... Nothing. When I came yeah. came back from Europe, when I came back from Asia early in 2020, nothing. Yeah. yeah. So nobody cares, but America, you're fucking up. Hey, with the vaccine, we're we're pulling we ourselves out of this shit. Yeah, but this is what Rob was talking about. 11 percent spike this this week. Yeah, but the yeah. Europe actually shut down for that. So. Yeah, it's, uh, America's. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, let's move on. It's neither here nor there. So um, I think we covered everything. 
So yeah, yeah. this was definitely the yeah. longest interview we had. Yeah, but it was also yeah, <laughs> very sorry, entertaining, great, very yeah. revealing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Rob. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. You can you can cut it all up and make it into whatever you want. All right. So that's um, I guess it for tonight. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, last thing, Rob, before we uh, end tonight, um, yeah. are there any shoutouts you have? Yeah, I mean, I hope we have enough time to go through them all. But I mean, yeah. I, you know, I want a blanket statement and say that there's so much that has transpired over the years that I'm very fortunate of that, you know, it only depends on people who have, have lent, you know, leaned on and have helped me. Um, but, you know, like, if I have a list to go through, I mean, Phil, Phil Lee, I mean, we wouldn't have Club Afar without Phil Lee, in all honesty. Um, and then you've got, you've got Simba, you have, you know, you have, um, Crab, Brian, you have Jesse, um, you have that whole crew. Wartman, uh, TF yeah, Dave, Mike. Yeah, you know, Wartman, TF Dave, Mike, you know, Eric, Francisco, um, so, you've got, you know, all of the people who. Josh Chow, uh, Proceed, right? Lee. All Ilya, of those guys, right? <laughs> that have been. It's a long no, list. No, I mean, and, and he's, he's pushing me along because it's a long list. <laughs> it's a long like, list. But like, you know, and, and that's just off the top of my head, but there are so many people along the way that I'm not going to be able to remember my name, which is no discredit to you, but like all of the people who joined Club FR in the beginning stages and signed up and came to events and pushed it along and were amazing friends, like those people are what made it what it is today. I mean, we're on drift day 70 something Holy right now. shit. And like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, a few years ago we had drift Day 50 was like a really crazy milestone. Um, and I'm not, I'm not directly involved anymore just because of proximity and, and life circumstance, but. I, I got to pause right there. It, real, real, yeah. real, real quick. So like what club FR did and what we had, like it was happening all around the States in different capacities. Um, and I think, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation that's the yeah. next that's the next season for you Earl, so so like, rob it's going to be the like, interview with you me phil and rob um and simba and that's Holland. gonna be an amazing one so so hopefully like, yeah. wait so you know for final about four can you get to uh, wisconsin <laughs> let me give you my wife's phone number and you can okay. make it fine that's fine <laughs> honestly i have no shame i will i will ask her i have no shame no, i mean you know i mean i think make it a family thing yeah yeah let's all go to a race no, and no, but, but i'll bring my i'll bring my wife i'll bring parker the kids can play yeah. right we'll, we'll get at a, at a, a racetrack in bumblefuck hey um, we'll, we'll bring our parents Wisconsin. too right you can yeah. bring your dad i'll bring my parents we can make it a thing if we yeah. really need to right yeah for final but, about uh, four yeah because no, if you I can mean, make I, it out there i'm gonna find you a miata i'll bring the thing. fc oh, oh, oh. No, it's, <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying yeah. i'm just yeah. saying yeah you offer stands I got so bummed. Like last time I was out there, um, I was supposed to drive Mikey's Miata versus yeah, Lil Phil's Miata. Who, yeah, and around yeah, yeah. Which I got to give a shout out to Mikey, amazing driver. Um, but like I was supposed also, to drive our Travis Scott then, music video. Yeah, that too. That crazy. But he ended up like, like crashing or touching like Simba and something. And I couldn't drive it, but I was just like, man, I was like so close to driving that car, but. Um, but anyway, so yeah, no, I mean, that would be a cool, a cool interview that we do with the three of us kind yeah. of chopping it up and, and I want to do it at final about four. Sure. If you guys can make it out there. 
Yeah, it's in October, it, right? October. October. So if you can make it September. out there, yeah, September. Or yeah. No, no, no. There's, there's, the there's a motorways as calendar. There's a drift yeah. day in September, and there's final about four in yeah, October. Final four is oh. in September first. Yeah. What September first? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's I'm Labor on, Day weekend. I'm, I'm on yeah. U.S. motorways. Oh. Ra- USA. Yeah, yeah. Website. Oh wait. Oh, Rob just dropped off. He's like, oh, fuck no. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me find Rob. But yeah, we can do it for Final about Four. I mean, at, at, at the worst case scenario, if Rob can't make it, he'll, he'll be with us through Zoom. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll, I'll find him in a Miata drive. I think his laptop battery died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because we were like, it's probably not going to be that long. Yeah, his, his laptop probably died. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> So for the listener, I'm just confirming on Facebook that Rob's uh, uh, laptop died. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of laughing right now on the inside. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, this is pretty funny, actually. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so actually, I was going to say for the outro, you and I need to just finish up. Sure. Hopefully, I'm going to convince Rob to meet us at Final Bot 4. I'm going to find him a Miata to drive. I'll bring the FC. And Phil will have the Corolla. And we'll just form our own stupid-ass team. And I don't care if we get accepted or not. We have enough clout. We're just going to drive anyways. <laughs> so, e- fuck it. Y'all the OGs. Exactly. So, you so get so the honorary it. degrees. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like, we get the honorary PhD. <laughs> Dude, but I'm not going to lie. Like, through the whole thing, I, I couldn't help to but think that this... It's, it's like Fight Club at this point. <laughs> You know, it's spread yeah. out to like so many different regions and it all started from it's like one butterfly wings flap of Rob. So when Rob was it's the butterfly junior effect. high, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's a butterfly effect from when he was introduced to Japanese that he went, he took a, like a school trip to Mitsua came across options magazine and it, it, the, here we are <laughs> yeah i know it, it's, it's literally the butterfly effect this is like because again i'm an outsider i've also been able to see this mm. um unlike um the people who are still doing it to this day so it's just kind of amazing to see like yeah. how far it's progressed but yeah dude i i i definitely want to come along with all that obviously i, I will <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm texting Rob right now. <laughs> well, since Rob got abruptly cut off, I'll yeah. s- I I want to say, you know, nice to meet you, Rob. But <laughs> looks like he already gone. Yeah, I'm texting. Yeah, or you could just put this in the recording. Just you know, add it on there. Yeah, I, I'll edit. Rob's like panicking right now about the edit. Uh, it's fine it really i I think this makes it better yeah it does it adds some flavor exactly it's just like our intro yeah oh by the way welcome to the our podcast (laughs) no so thank you for listening to our podcast right it's the end unfortunately uh rob's laptop died so he ran out of power but what he wanted to say was he just wanted to shout out to everyone that's ever been involved with club fr in any capacity and um because really without you guys it would have never happened and the ogs really know without color far you don't get final about and all the stuff that happens afterwards 
But again, as Rob and I were discussing, really, we got lucky. We happened to be at the right place in the right time to meet TF Dave, who's really the godfather of US drifting, in, in our opinion. But you don't really know these things unless you just happen to be around and pay attention for a long enough time. Because when you're young and you're actually trying to make things happen, you don't actually make the things you want to happen happen. It's over time and through context that you see the effects of what you've actually done. And that's kind of what I want to impress upon the audience listening to the podcast. Like, I didn't happen to accidentally get into my pos position at Ford. I had just been actively looking to get into the OEM industry and I happened to fall into my position at Ford. So there is a difference. Uh, but yeah, like just my advice to any young people out there these days trying to figure out what they want to do is just do what you're passionate about. And if you stick with it long enough, you know, good things will happen. So I don't know if you have any last words to say, Helen. I was telling, telling Rob earlier, you know, that, you know, like, I, I feel like I, I'm a completely outsider of all this, you know, because I, I've known you, but I, I've, I've heard all these names, but I could never connect the dots. And I feel like this is pretty cool. Like by, by now, our third episode, I, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of going on this ride. Yeah. And, and you know, even though I'm, I'm, I'm on the show and part of the show. I feel like I'm watching like a Netflix series where it's like you know, each story sort of like connects the dot. So like for me, like I'm just like, I'm just like watching the story unfold myself. And I, I think that's pretty cool. Okay, cool. I'm glad you're enjoying it then. Because at least, at least one person's entertained because no one's going to listen to this godforsaken show, right? Um, but I think that's all I really wanted to cover. Oh, two more things. One, I'll see you tomorrow because on Friday we're gonna pick our first single barrel. So any fans? Wait, of are the we show, picking the single barrel? We're gonna start the discussion, hmm. right? So any fans of the show, if you happen to like whiskey and you want um, a barrel selected by us and on behalf of the show, look out for that um, in the next few months or so. Uh, and then also what Rob and I have been alluding to in the background, I've also been working on building our own um, racetrack that can be used for um, Club Afar or Final Bout and, and Grid Life, etc. So look for that, but that's probably in the next three to five years. But you'll probably get more um, information as we, we find it ourselves, to be honest. So uh, thanks for listening, um, and hopefully you guys have a good night or a good morning wherever you're at. Anything else you got to add, Helen? All right, see you guys. Bye, guys. Yeah, I got to get to Ford to work now. <laughs> <laughs>